was coming close to the bottom, I thought, there's no way I'm going to be able to climb this next mountain. Commit four hours yeah. to going up and down the next mountain. Was this the last one? The there were two to go. Right. So in my head, it's the first time I'd gone forward. It's going to take me like seven hours to finish this on these two mountains. I can't, I can't even get down this mountain. I'm now walking sideways. Told out the phone, phone my wife, Evan. It's one o'clock in the morning, near the checkpoint off the bottom. I said, look, I'm struggling to get down the mountain. Like my, my knee's killing me. Um, and I can't eat or drink. My energy has gone very, very quickly. It was still very warm as well. I yeah. found it was warm. She goes, well, you can't give up. Just strap it up and keep going. Hey everyone, thanks for your patience. We are back. And for those who don't know, my name is Robbie Marsh and I'm your host, so welcome to the podcast. As some of you know, I'd taken a month's break to focus on UTMB CCC. It was a fantastic experience. I don't think that words could describe the buzz around Chamonix during UTMB week. In this podcast, Sleep Gunning Runners, Chuck Murphy and Barry McCarroll turn the mic on myself, where we discuss the setbacks, the training and the learning taken from the process of racing the 100 kilometers across the Alps in the CCC. Before we start, I'd just like to give a huge shout out to our sponsors, Born to Run, who are our new podcast sponsors. Can't believe that their award-winning series is back. The first race, 2nd November in Minneburn in Belfast. Their launch day is on Friday the 13th of September, next Friday. If you enter the entire series on launch day, you could get your entire entry fee refunded as they'll be entering all runners who enter on that day into a draw. I'm not going to delay the podcast any further, so with great pleasure, I give you UTMB CCC. Do you want a bottle of beer or a bottle yeah. of water? Beer? Water. Beer. Considering I'm staying here tonight. <laughs> Pull out bed in there. Beer, water, beer. Cheers. Well done, Robbie. Brilliant stuff, thank you. It's a bit strange coming up here, actually, to get um, yeah, podcasted. feel sorry for all the people that have podcasted in the past. So. So there's, there's definitely, we can't jump straight in to talking about CCC or the Race to Stones. Why? <laughs> what? CCC, what's that? The CCC. Did, that did race, you do the CCC? That race you don't know. Race of the Stones. I thought we were here for the Race of the Stones. I thought we were here for the Courage. But you know what? And see through all of the podcasts. I know you've mentioned bits and pieces, like, but have you mentioned like at the starts where you started and all the rest? I haven't, like, but that's, that's a long, that is a long story. Time. Do you know what I mean? It's a long-winded story as well, like, but um, what do you mean in terms of when you started running? When I started, so like, I mean, it is important to the story, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. because for yeah, that fly through. No, but for, well, I can't, for course, every runner, the pinnacle is probably yeah. UTMB. So you don't it's just two thousand eleven was really when I started. And same as everybody else, new family, getting used to new family, used to be a bit of a party animal, I was almost 17 stone. Um, and I was one of those people that could not run the length of themselves. Mm. Um, coming home after work, just falling asleep, thought I needed to do something here. And it literally was running from lamppost to lamppost. Well, I did, I, I honestly thought there was something wrong with me. Like I wouldn't go to doctors, I didn't want them to tell me there was something wrong because my energy levels were so low. But it was just purely down to bad lifestyle. I didn't exercise, you know, party, didn't look after myself at all. But slowly and surely, anyway, to cut a long story short, <coughs> um, I'd set the goal of swimming 
you know, we've done a uh, podcast yeah, about it. Yeah. I don't know, it's podcast twenty nine or something. Just go and listen to that, really. Yeah. About swimming across Carnford Lock and cycling to Dublin. Yeah. And then running Dublin Marathon. That was in two thousand thirteen. I didn't know how to swim. Didn't run a bike. Was that the first run? 2013 first marathon? 2011 was the first marathon. Right. Um, Where was that? That was Dublin. The first marathon. It was four hours, 25 minutes. And I had a marriage to my IT band. So I know all about my IT band. Six months struggling what, with What would we be there? I'd say I was 12 stone 10. 12 stone 12. So I lost like four stone that right. year. Very, very quickly. That's a lot of year, like, isn't it? Yeah, so... So that in itself yeah, was making you feel really good. Yeah. <laughs> so when you think of that, you know, that dropped really, really quick. That gave a lot of health benefits along yeah. with that. My energy levels started to go up as well. It wasn't until the following year then, for my 40th birthday, I wanted to do the Ironman. And I had to learn about my diet. Because, you know, with such a busy job and kids and all that good stuff, I didn't have the energy levels that were needed to train. So I started, like me, I was sort of, I like going into things. I, th I don't want you to think like I'm a real control person, because I'm not. You know, I only found out what CCC stood for a month before the race. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not that way inclined. But I always want to improve and make myself better. So looking into diet and plant-based diet, and what I did was I trialed four different diets in four different months, consecutive months, and see how they affected me. Those are the sort of things I like yeah. doing. I like variability, I like changing, I like going from running to the bike, you know, and swapping yeah. things about. And the plant-based diet was one that stood out. You know, I'd done gluten-free diet, I'd done like a calorie counting diet, and see how they affected my body. Plant-based was just off this, off the scale, like no sugar. In terms sugar, of how you feel. How I felt, yeah. you know what I mean? I felt like screaming at people and say, look, just eat plant-based. Yeah. Because <clears throat> your body's craving for nutrition. This whole thing about protein is just bollocks, like, you know, protein this, protein that. You know, some of the best endurance runners in the world. Yeah. You know, Scott Jurek and those guys, you read their books, Born to Run. Yeah. <clears throat> and like protein, People think plant-based, you're not getting your, pro your protein. But my energy levels were just through the roof. Like, and I was doing crazy shit then yeah. on, in training. Like, I'm, I remember one Saturday morning, and like, I went for a 10-mile run, then I went for a 100-mile bike, and then I went for a 10-mile run. I done a duathlon. Yeah. <clears throat> 10-mile run, 100-mile bike, and 10-mile run. Like, yeah. who does that? Mm. But I had so much energy, I just yeah. didn't know what to do with it. Like... Sounds like something Chipper would do. <laughs> mm, very much so, but, but I, I remember he's running been on too, so. <laughs> I was about two miles from the house and a friend of mine drove past with his dad. His dad goes like, look at the state of that by there, he shouldn't be out running. You yeah. know, and I just done that. Yeah. And I was like, Yeah, never judge a book by its cover, like you don't know what that person's been through. Well, okay. So change. that brought into the diet. And <clears throat> then it's you know I'd done the Ironman, it was great, Zurich, and I wrecked the car about seven months before it, pretty badly, couldn't swim, um, and this is where you find yourself when you get injured, you actually become a bit of a victim, mm. so you can, like you're waiting for this injury to clear up and heal up, are you really doing what you need to do to fix it? A lot of people are sitting on the pity step, pity step. We had yeah. this conversation just before you came in, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I, I, it's going to sound bad, but... If you're too fat, it's you know, is it up to you to 
to do something about it and admit that. Do you know what I mean? It's really down to you. And you know, I really, really struggled and resisted with that until I did the podcast with Ivan Prue. Yeah. And I just came out of that totally different person. Ivan Prue has multiple cirrhosis. Yeah. Like, he has to manage that situation. Yeah. That's and a big he is a phenomenal runner. Yeah. You know, lives a full life. He has to manage through With that. A positive twist and swing on positive everything. Positive twist. Because, but when yeah. you realise that it's all, it's you. Do you know what I mean? Everything is within your control. Yeah. And when the swim, like I couldn't swim for four or five months. It was, and then the Ironman was coming up. I was like, shit, like I, I need to get doing something. Yeah. Back to the physios. What's going on? He says, well, here, do these exercises. Have you done these yet? Well, no, I haven't done these yet. And I've done this. Within about two weeks, I'm swimming up and down the pool and I've been out for five months mm-hmm. now. But th- those things, you're sort of picking up little things along the way, the learning. And I think that's the key thing when we're doing whatever sport it is. You can get as much advice as you want, like, it's not yeah. worth the paper it's written on. Yeah. You know, experience is the only thing yeah. that moves you forward slowly, surely. Yeah. And that's, this race has been amazing for me. From that, I've always picked one race a year that I can look back on and feel proud of. Yeah. That's where I saw CCC has come from. So well, that's got to the point now where that's the I, biggest. That's the biggest. But I hope next year's... will be bigger. I, think ne- I hope next year's will be bigger and the yeah. year after that yeah, will be yeah, bigger. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I don't like where it's going, but... <laughs> well, you do. You do. But yeah, so it's, you're always looking to... So no matter if I was doing my marathons... For sure, then that's... Yeah. No matter if I was doing my marathons, I always wanted to pick one race. Because when I always look back, it was that one race that I felt proud of rather than, you know, all the marathons that I did, yeah. all the times that I did. Something that made me step out of the comfort zone. Yeah. But you see your comfort zone. So this this is a massive one out of your comfort zone. Mm. This is a ma- massive one out of anyone's comfort zone, I would have thought. But you've done the majors. You've done seven majors. Yeah, you did them all. Six, six majors. majors. Yeah. Was you finished bit. them in 20... 20- 2018 Boston, Boston and that was the, the last one in the swim. I'm saying done a bit of research on that. <laughs> you, you've done the seven now. Bad weather. Six. 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 What? So L- London, yeah. Berlin, Tokyo, New York, Chicago, New York, New York Chicago, oh. and Boston. Do you know what I mean? It was, and the thing about that was was the adventure of it. Yeah. Um, I miss the people that I met. Because every year you were doing a major, every year you're doing two majors. And it wasn't until I went to the airport to do Boston, the last one. I was excited until I got to the airport. And then there was these people, everybody that was there, I was like, oh, I've done Berlin, Chicago with you, I've done New York and Tokyo with mm-hmm. you. And I realised I was coming so to the end. Bottom, yeah. <clears throat> you were coming to the end of that journey. Yeah. I remember that video, did you ever see the video of Boston that year? Yeah. With the, the rain, that was... Two, that was last year. Two years ago, yeah. Was that was last year? Was. 2018. That was 2018. Scary. That was scary. I, I watched yeah. that video and I go, how do you go out even running that? And that was your last one. The last one you'd like to have enjoyed the experience. That's a different type of experience. That yeah, thing. well, I, people always say to me, which is your best. <coughs> I said, London had the best atmosphere. Yeah. Berlin, the best course. Tokyo had the best culture. Um, Chicago... Well, New York had the best entertainment. Chicago had a little bit of everything. Mm. Beautiful course, great atmosphere. So it had a combination of them all. And then I was wondering what Boston was going to bring. 
pure Armageddon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was, Big time. Pure, pure Armageddon. Ice. It was like 25 mile hour headwind in torrential rain. Proper <clears> storm. And at one point I just stopped. I literally stopped. I couldn't see where I was going. So yeah. I just had to stop. The rain was that heavy. Um, but I wasn't even going to, when it, Adele Muldoon, like she was cracking up and I didn't even know how to get the medal. Yeah. You know, I just sort of rolled up and do the sort of thing, like I wasn't that uptight. And I was, you play for the medal? You have to, on the expo, you have to go over and register your name. Right. Like, I didn't even know that. I was lucky I bumped into her in the expo. Right. <laughs> I wouldn't have got a medal, which you get at the finish of yeah. the race. Like, and to put your name on the list, my name wasn't on the list then of competing the majors. Yeah, right. that, that wouldn't bother me to be honest. Like, so it is now, is it? It's on it because Adele was like, you got the medal. I have the medal. I got the medal at the finish line in Boston. Like, right. Um, thanks to Adele Muldoon. Like, otherwise, I might just come there and, and I haven't got it. I did feel good, but there's a book called The Alchemist for anybody that's read it, and I think it's the second most read book in the world. These these. Bert and Ernie's here sitting looking at the drink. Paolo Coelho. And the, uh, What's the number one? <laughs> I don't know. The Vinci Code. The Bible. Bible. <laughs> <laughs> the, Bible. <laughs> the Bible, yeah. There you go. And it may not be, but I tell people that. Anyway. But, <laughs> <laughs> but in his story, you know, it's about this uh, sheep farmer anyway that goes to Egypt to find the gold. It's not about the gold. It's obviously about the journey that he's had. Yeah. So it's never for me... It's never about that end goal for me. It's never about it's getting that medal. It's a lap like this, you know. Yeah, I, I've collected that medal even before I start that last race. Yeah. I think that's a key thing. You know, I'm always so relaxed at a race. Mm-hmm. Like with CCC, like, I just thought, I should have some nerves here. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I was just, I'd already won by standing at that finish line. I'd yeah. already done the race. And I always collect my medal before the race because I've already done the work. Mm. Do you know what I mean? What happens yeah. after it's that like happens? Yeah, so it really was about the journey. I know yeah. it's a bit of a cliche. People say it's the journey's more important than the destination. So I always pick a race that is going to change my body and my mind to the way I think it should be. Yeah. I think that's the key thing. Yeah. So how long did it take you to pick that race? Like after Boston, which was the last... CCC? Yeah. Oh, I already had it going, like... Before Boston? Yeah, before well, yeah, It's clear to see, Robbie, from even... Obviously, we were chatting all the time on, on the group chat and whatnot, but the mountains is where it's at. And obviously, yeah. you live close to them, so you're up the most days and... There is a reason behind that. So when I was... I was training pretty hard. I wanted to qualify for Boston. Yeah. Okay? And I thought that would be a great way to do the majors. Is get under... Is get your 310 or whatever it was, 308... I ran 3.29 in Dublin, mm-hmm. which I was after, and I took on Gary O'Hallon, who's a brilliant coach. Now, I made a real big error there, not taking on Gary, but I took him on the week after I ran my 3.29 in Dublin. Um, what I didn't do was, I had done 12, 14 months of solid training to get there. Yeah. You know, race after race after race. I was obsessive for all these races, as a lot of us are. And Gary's training, um, it fell in the time that we were really busy at work. So I was doing a lot, but I hadn't taken a break. And it's what happened was I was I went for like a 22 mile run, seven minutes 20. Hardly felt it was great, you know. Guy yeah. had me running 10 miles, 640, and I was like, 
I thought I'd run 10 miles at 6.40. Gary was sitting there even thinking yeah. further down the road because he's got that much belief in people. So he coached you. He, he was coaching yeah, me. Yeah. And he was coaching me to break, to qualify for Boston. I went out for a run just before Manchester Marathon, which going to be my Boston qualifier. And I got to four miles and I just stopped. I couldn't run any further. So I just put it down as bad. I couldn't even start again. Mm. I felt okay, I felt normal, but I just couldn't run. So the next time when I couldn't get past four miles, next time I couldn't get past three, there was something wrong. Yeah. This was four weeks before Manchester and I was going to smash 3.15 easily. Um, and I went to the doctor and it was, my body had taken on, my, my, my body had just stopped me running. That was it. It had created this, safety barrier that when I was taking on too much it just shut my body down too much as in too, the volume not just the training but with were right okay everything that right. I was doing right when I look back it's been a a build-up of not taking that break it's not just purely about training we're going through yeah. extremely busy time and work yeah as a I'm a manager in my job you yeah. know it's quite a stressful job and there was too much going on and my body then created this safety mechanism yeah. of being able to do anything. So even if I thought, right, I'm going to go and do a run, like my body was, nope, you're not going. And we saw a laugh and joke about the race of the stones and all. I, yeah. That was the race that came up after that. Mm-hmm. I already had in mind I was doing CCC. And I had to go to that race. Well, I went to Manchester four weeks later. I jogged to the halfway line, mm-hmm. knowing like, Four weeks ago, I ran 7, 20, 22 miles. I knew I'm going to struggle here to hold on to eight, nine minute miles to the halfway point because my body did not want to run. It just, no. And I knew when I was going to get to the halfway line, halfway point, I'm going to walk the rest. Yeah. Because it was going to just too much of a struggle. And, and that's what I did. I remember crossing the line in Manchester, sitting thinking, people are watching the tracker. Nobody knows what I'm going through. The day before, I could hardly get out of bed. Cause I had chronic fatigue. My body, my mind had just taken over. Yeah. Felt normal, but it was just a safety mechanism. The body's an amazing thing. It was like, no, you're doing too much. So when I went to the race of the stones, I got like, I got to mile 20 and I could not go a step further. And like, I just, my body would not let me go. But there's something that happens when I cross the halfway point mm-hmm. that my mind gives up. All right, I'm not gonna stop him, let him go. And the second half of the race was <laughs> far better and yeah. far easier. The reason why I spoke about that was because you've talked about the mountains. The mountains is a totally different thing. The mountains have really healed that situation. When you're up in the mountains, you're, you're loving it. It's a totally mm. different thing. And like the, the hills have healed me. Yeah. And going, to, going and doing the podcast with Big Ivan Free made me realise... I'm just being a victim here. What am I doing? Yeah. I'm actually doing nothing to fix this. Yeah. I'm not understanding it. And it actually sort of coincides with sort of ultra running sort of helped me then overcome this. Um, but I had to take a holistic approach to it. I had to, you know, it's an element of anxiety. It's a form of anxiety. So I haven't road run in ages because it's road running is quite anxious. You're trying to run at a certain pace, all the time. hold that mile. Yeah. There's no looking at a watch in a mountain like that. Not. not at all. Like and 
you frame things in life the way you want to. Like to me, it was a gift. Because see, if I slept properly, if I ate cleanly, um, and I exercised, I felt absolutely friggin' awesome. Like, mm. and my body wouldn't hold me back. So I have to have those disciplines, sort of. And to me, it's a gift. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, because if I eat all those shit and all that, because my body's tired, I get chronic fatigue. Yeah. And it's totally managed. Now, obviously, I've done CCC. So, what, you know... But did you think, at, whenever you were doing all the roads, and all the, the marathons on the road, at any stage back then, did you think that you would end up in the mountains, or have the mountains kind of found you? Or was it the whole... Oh, because this question. is a healing... This is... Helen Dales, you were at the Helen Dales. Yeah, I did. The Helen Dales, like, people think I do crazy shit all the time. There's always logic in what I do. Yeah. I'm always, like, the first time I did the first Helen Dales was because I was doing the Mormon Way Ultra. Yeah. That was 2016. Um, so just, that was the first taste of mountain running, really? That was the first taste. The only reason why I wasn't in the mountains was because I had, I had the, the majors. Yeah. And you're always... Right, you're always going and it's too dangerous for me yeah. I'm a road yeah. runner and every time I went in the mountains I rolled my ankles every single time do you know what I mean I did not I was not clued into how to mountain not at all like and at the stupidest places as well so I stayed away from the mountains even though I lived there as much as I loved them like um, but I would say you, you are most probably right like that they found me yeah. more so than do you know what I mean yeah. The situation, there was a slight change in direction for me based on that condition that I had. Yeah. You know, the smallest change in direction just ends up in a totally yeah. different destination. Yeah. And that's what happened. Yeah. Because it was never your intention to be a mountain roar. No, without a doubt. Like, and now the mountains, like, they heal me. I love it. Yeah. Like, I thought that was pretty I think. I think what you said, I think if you were back to the roads now, You'd be you different find all. the roads easy, mm. absolutely easy. Because mm. we we talked about this. I have been listening to that David Goggins, um, audio book, which is unreal, and him talking about callous in his mind, and about doing something over and over and over, doing something that's really really hard, like CCC, like a race yeah. to stones, like something big, big, big. As soon as you go onto the road, it's like nothing to you. That no, I, I, think, I agree. I think yeah. because the experience of having done something which is massively difficult, 50 miles, 60, ma massive mountain miles, and then you're going out for 10 mile run, 10 mile run is nothing to you now, so, but, it, but he was explaining that about being, starting off with small steps, do you know, you go out, you run for a mile, the next day you go out for, run for a mile and a half, not the next day, the next week, so for you it would be, it is phenomenal, yeah. I'm actually excited now, yeah, what like you that, can do, that race has changed me again, yeah, and, like people mightn't realize this but my mental strength was my weakest yeah. part yeah. when i started running trying to run to lamppost to lamppost for three miles my 10 mile run I used to take a gel at mile six lucasade sport i couldn't do it without that the journey that i've had here to the journey of the ccc so the first heard about it 2017 or did you know before this did you want um, to as soon as i did the Mormway map the Mormway ultra 2016 I got, I got four points i wanted to know what them four points were about 2016. Right. 2016. About CCC, if you do two races, you can, oh, you get eight points for two races. The points come based on how difficult the ultra is. Yeah. So they score from one to six points. And if you have eight points over two races, you can then apply for CCC in December. Now for me, 
it was it goes into a ballot very difficult to get in yeah second time you enter it's a coefficient of two means you've got twice the chance of getting in the third time is guaranteed entry so i right. thought let's start this process yeah i don't want in now i'm not ready for right. that or next year i've got enough i've got the so you had to, to keep finish. up you had to keep up eight points. Had to keep the eight points. Right. So I did um, the Monway Ultra and then Race the Stones, yeah. got me eight points, entered, didn't get in, happy days. Yeah. I didn't want in. Yeah. I had enough. <laughs> I had to finish the majors off, which was my first goal. Like. And then after I did Boston, I did, um, I had a plantar plate issue. Very difficult. I did Edinburgh, the Harry Haggis, as I call it, the 5K, 10K, half marathon and mm -hmm. full. Yeah. But I had to rest up after that. That was in like May 2018. Mm -hmm. And I was out for five months. Before, I didn't realise I got back on the pity step again. I wasn't mm -hmm. doing enough to fix this. In that five months, I got out of shape. You know, put on, mm -hmm. it was heavier than I had been. 13 stone 10 was back up to. And I had like nine weeks then. It's a bit like the Ironman where I only had a few weeks, okay, get back swimming. But nine weeks. To get the points so I could register for CCC. Um, so now I planned out play issue on a bit of a chronic fatigue issue that I was sort of managing. And I said, right, I went and got a cortisone injection, got my orthotics changed. I actually went and did a podcast with Laura Wiley. And her determination just shamed me out of the room. Yeah. I was like, I'm doing nothing here to fix this. Again, I found myself on the pity step. Got nine, how am I going to get point, points in nine weeks' time? Whittle away, 50 mile. Mm -hmm. I haven't run in five months now, putting this down, what am I going to do? Um, so in those nine weeks, I did Inverness Marathon, then I done the Garmin Skyline, which got me up in the mountains a bit. And I started really enjoying that. So I did the Garmin Skyline. Went to Dublin and I wore a onesie suit. When was this, Robbie? This was 2018. 2018, yeah. Um, only have nine weeks to get these points. Yeah. So what am I going to do? So I went to Dublin then and put the onesies, wore a onesie suit. What people didn't realise was I couldn't run any faster. Yeah. I wasn't wearing it. It was a bit <laughs> of a mask. Yeah. But again, it was a bit of mental strength training as well to run in the heat with this thing. Um, and then I did the Tony Moore Ultra. My foot flared up a bit again like, and I went to wiggle away. So... That got me the points again to register again for CCC. That was the 8th of December. You register on the 15th. Um, Many points for Wicklow? It was four points for the Wicklow. And the other four came from? The Race to the Stones this time. Because it's over 24 right. months, so the first one would right. have dropped off. So registered for the second time? So, registered for the second time. Um, Big X. Resting my foot. And I got a yes oh, in the race. So I thought was, the results were coming out on Saturday. I seen everybody on Facebook posting up, boom, boom, boom. And so I went in to take a look. I went, shit, I got a yes. I was absolutely delighted. Yeah. Because I'd gone from not being able to run actually four miles and being injured for five months. And I just did not let go of the goal. Yeah. I've never done that. Like I've actually never not done a race said you were that I've said I'm going to do no matter what happens like through everything that's gone on I've still even done it even Manchester that I was targeting the 310 for yeah. you know I might have done it 402 but but that says a lot about that as well you know what your head is yeah. you know you're stubborn in a way then too I think it's very important to have a goal yeah 
I think if you have that goal, the rest will follow. Yeah. And you have to believe in that goal. Now, you might not be in the position or the fitness that you wanted to be in. I don't think you ever are, to be honest. But um, without that, you're just going to drift yeah. around, really good, not knowing where you're going. Yeah. But I've always held on to the goal no matter what. And the reason why I've selected that goal, as I said earlier on, is because it's going to make me become the person I want to be. So I'm going to be mentally a lot more mentally stronger. Yeah. And it's not about the finish line, but it's about who it makes you as a person. That's yeah. more important to me. Like, so I select goals that sort of do that. I'm not just saying, ah, I'm going to pick this, I'm going to pick that, mm. I'm going to pick this. Slowly, ah, everything's for a reason. There's, a, there's, every, a, there's always a reason behind that. Yeah. And as you said, you know, as David Goggins book, just bit by bit. Mm. I didn't want to jump into a 100 mile race last year. Mm. This is a journey. I'm afraid of missing that big piece of the learning. Mm. So bit by bit by yeah. bit. It's like self stirs, isn't it? So when I got that yes, that was a huge achievement. That was my biggest achievement in my life, I felt. Yeah. Because, I mean, there was times where I was lying in bed and I couldn't get up. You know, I absolutely, this really hit me really, really hard. Mm-hmm. And just with chronic fatigue. Okay. And like to, to still be on course for the goal in amongst all of that, that I was delighted. Like, yeah. I knew there was nothing going to stop me because I had so much belief no matter what sort of obstacles so see when you got the yes that was a big 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 positive yeah what sort of shape were you in when you got that <laughs> yeah. yes so I had to get another cause injection <laughs> <laughs> it was a cortisone <laughs> <laughs> I mean you weren't fit fighting fit this, this, well I only had nine weeks out of five months to get the points and then I gave myself six weeks rest I went up Binion <laughs> nine o'clock at night January came down and I went over on my ankle mm-hmm my ankle just exploded there on the track, was that on the, the trail. In the car park? No. It was 30, about 30 yards away from the car, because it was lying in the path yeah. at the bottom of Binion where the Hill and Dales goes up, just looking at my car. And I just that looked. That was bad, wasn't it? Yeah, so I was out for three months. Yeah. Day one of training, January, February, March, <laughs> out. <laughs> CCC Flash. ahead. And do you know what though? I rolled my ankle so many times, just messing. Didn't deter you anyway. You know, no, I actually thought, well, that's this, this, this a good job that happened now. Eh? Yeah. Number one, I know to be tentative when the course isn't technical, because it's yeah. always when the course was easy. Yeah. And number two, I've got weak ankles, so I need to strengthen these. Because mm. if this had happened close to the time, it was over. So it took it as a positive. Yeah. But I did think it was going to be out two weeks, but. <laughs> three months? It was three months out. Um, but that allowed me to build some strength and conditioning. This time, I was not on the pity step. Yeah. I was doing what I could. I'd learned a lot from some of the people that podcasted. Yeah. So I went into work. I changed my desk, the stand-up desk. Mm-hmm. I brought wobble boards in. Um, I'd done my heel lifts at my stand-up desks to strengthen the calves. I was doing stand-on wobble boards, working on the computer, yeah. strengthening my ankles. Went to the physio every single week to get it rubbed out. And I did all my exercises and everything I was meant to do. I yeah. So whatever I possibly could do that was in my control, I did, which was different than what I'd done before. Yeah. How long had you got when you were over in the ankle until the see the race CCC? Eight months. Eight months. Right. Three months out. Right. Okay. So day so that's five months left to go. Yeah. Day one was a small <coughs> mountain next to me, one point one miles up and down. Took me forty five minutes. Mm-hmm. I was a stone overweight. In January this year? In January, February, March. Start March. No, sorry, April. Because I was out for three months. 
So that's mad. Stone overweight, went up and down now. It took me forty-five minutes. I had done it in like eighteen thirty before, but I mean, you know, that's as quick as I go. So the very next day, I decided to do the Mulmay Marathon. <laughs> as you do. I was like, I I see this is not going to work for me. Yeah. Running up and down a one-mile mountain. I don't need pace. I need strength. Mm. So I did the Mulmay Marathon, and I did it after work. So that's one key thing I did when I was training was. I stayed, I made sure I was tired yeah. during all of my training. So got left down after work, just dropped off in Newcastle, done the Mulmay Marathon. It took me five hours, 40 minutes. It was horrendous. I, wore, I bought Speedgoat boots. After work on a Friday? After work on a Friday. I bought a pair of Speedgoat boots. Mm-hmm. You know the Speedgoats that come up over your ankle? Mm-hmm. To try and protect my ankle. Yeah. Because I'm going to try it. So I'd done it. Was that more a hike than a run? It was a total hike. Right. But I didn't care because yeah, I was still yeah. climbing. So, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, a that's a massive step from one met, whatever. <laughs> the it's unreal. Yeah. So I thought it was I thought it was a good idea, so I'd done it again next week. Yeah. And I'd done it again next week. Yeah. And I'd done it I ended up doing it seven times in six weeks. Mm-hmm. But every week my goal was just to go faster. And what I was doing was I was Number one, building strength. Mm-hmm. There wasn't really a mental aspect to it because you knew you could do it. Um, but I was trying fuel. So I was trying this, yeah. I was trying tailwind, I was trying shot blocks. I was drinking like hell. I was drinking like four litres of water. One of the trips I brought Sean Nickel, mm-hmm. who dragged me along. For the, he was trying to get me under the five hours. And I drank my f- four bottles of water. <laughs> four 500 ml bottles of water. He drank one. All right. And we had about four miles to go, and I was like, I was embarrassed. I really wanted to ask him, "Do you mind if I have your other bottle? If you're not going to drink it." <laughs> Instead, I started taking drinks. You out. do, you do drink a lot. Well, I used Don't to. You? I used to. Right. Okay. I used to. So I started taking drinks out of rivers and behind his <laughs> back. I wouldn't ask him for his his second bottle because I'd already drunk four. Um, but the last, in amongst that, I was doing the Hill and Dales. So I thought that would build strength as well. So I actually did, I almost did all 10 mm-hmm. Hillendales. I did eight of them, which I felt really good about because the only two I missed was I went to Uganda mm-hmm. and done the Uganda Marathon. So the weekend before I went, I'd done a back-to-back one way. It felt good. You know, the Friday, it was a real fatigue in my legs because I'd done Hillendales on Thursday night. And then on Sunday, I didn't know what was going to happen. And I flew through it, like yeah. ran in 4.40 and I didn't feel it. I went, whoa, that was a change. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That training paid off. Like this is the tiredest I should have been. And actually it was the easiest I'd run. Yeah. Like, my fueling and everything was down to T because I'd done it seven times. And then I flew off to Uganda and that was the end of May. Mm-hmm. So that month of sort of April, May, I, you know, I'd done them all way like seven times. So I wasn't doing any speed work at all because it was risk. Yeah. There's too much risk into your yeah. legs. And you couldn't afford any other more time out from that. Yeah, so it was hiking and running and running and building your confidence up and letting your body know it was okay to run as well because I still have that chronic yeah. fatigue sort of thing going on. Like, But the more I was in the mountains... Like, I, I remember coming out of work like totally dosed with chronic fatigue, going to do them all way, and within four or five minutes it's totally gone. Yeah. Yeah. feeling absolutely amazing and energised like the mountains do that like yeah. don't they they wake you up yeah you know but uh, I, I was when I was looking at how many times I knew you'd done the morning way loads of times like six seven times and I knew 
but it's never really easy, easy. Like as soon as you start to do the more and marathon, it's not easy. It's not one of them was easy. Like, it's not easy. None of them was easy. And the crazy thing was like one week you'd have a really good week. Yeah. You know, the second half was really strong and you're looking forward to it this time. You're feeling great the first half, geez, last week. And then you've crashed at mile 18. Yeah. You totally crashed. And you ended up quicker. Yeah, you you, are, <laughs> you don't feel as good, but you end up yeah, quicker. Yeah. How's that happen? So it knocked an hour off it. Like I think it was five forty. It was five forty or six forty. Yeah. I can't remember, but it just kept on going quicker, quicker, quicker. And the last one was four forty. <laughs> but on the back of that, I done a back to back. I went to Uganda for the week. Yeah. And that weekend, then I ran Uganda. I was obviously tired. It was four thousand feet of climbing in that marathon. You had a busy week, and it was hot and humid and all that yeah. good stuff. It felt like an ultra. Yeah, I'm sure it did. Um, did. Flew home on the Tuesday and signed up for the Monway Ultra. That was already part of the plan. I was exhausted. Yeah. Just back from Uganda. I haven't rested now at all. And I went into the Monway because this will be good training. Yeah. (laughs) Jesus. We saw him at the end, remember? Yeah. Yeah. We saw Robbie at the end of the Monway. Like, I mean, I. (laughs) Remember? I was shocked, Stag, dude. Oh, yes, I. We were at the <laughs> tents with the beers and Robbie comes running uh, around. Right, yeah. <laughs> and the weather wasn't nice oh, towards the end of that. Right. But I, I done, obviously, the one way. No, I'd done the one way easily. Yeah. I turned to come back. That's when the boys never met you, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't climb. I literally could not climb back out of Newcastle. Uh-huh. Up Donard. Like, my quads had given up. And I was like... When you talk about those moments where you break through, this yeah. is one of those moments that I literally thought, geez, I've got DNF today. Right. You know, this is only training for me, I don't really care. All these neg- negative yeah. thoughts, like, and I come to the field stop and your woman goes to me, how you doing? I says like, I'm not going to manage this. Like, I, just, I am. Great <laughs> here. My quads have given up. I says, but to be fair, I wanted to get to this point mm. to break through that. And she said to me, geez, um, we are nowhere near that point. You're standing mm. here talking to me as fresh as a daisy. You don't mm. even look like you've been running. I thought, it's funny how the mind works. Like, yeah, I thought to myself, Jesus, you're right. Yeah. And away I went. Yeah. Just like that. And there was another wee moment. Yeah. You know, and, and it really made me think, because what was happening was, when I was climbing, I was finding it really difficult. I wasn't accepting how difficult it was. Yeah. I was just being sorry for myself. And that makes it, your mind starts winning the battle. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yes, your quads aren't working. Yes, you can't get up here. And you start agreeing with that. Yeah. Then you start believing that. And then that's what materializes. Yeah. That was starting to move into that um, different place. So of not listen to what your mind's telling that you. That was at about, what, 27, 28 miles, was it? 27, 28 miles. I met, met David Griffin, who had a great story from Springwell. He'd done the quads there. Yeah. And it took me straight out of it. Yeah, so I was pretty happy with that because I'd done, there was 10 Hill and Dales races. I did eight of them. And the only two I missed, I did Uganda Marathon, Monway Ultra, and I came back to do them. So that gave me a lot of confidence, you know, to say my body's recovering really, really quickly. That I'm able to do these back-to-back sort of long races. Um, <laughs> Donard Well, just before the Donard, when you're talking about drinking too much, I learned another lesson. I went out for a four-mile run, well, I went just to do the meals. I had the 250ml bottle of water and I'd done the 7.7s. Seven mm. I had no fuel or nothing. So I went up there at Lockshan and I thought, I'll be great. I've done the meals. I'll be great to go and do Binion when I'm here. Mm-hmm. Actually, I might as well do Gomeda. 
actually I'm feeling great here, I can fill my bottle again. And I only had a 250ml bottle and I looked at John and I went, I feel great so I might as well when I'm here. I just go down to Newcastle, one up and I begged a bit of food off a few runners. Somebody gave me a pack of jelly beans mm. and I looked over at Binion and I'd never been over Beg and Lamigan before and I went, how far is that? So away I went. <laughs> and I've just done the seven sevens on like 500 ml of water and a little bag of jelly beans. That was a real eye-opener for me. Yeah. Just by deep, by... Not by accident. By, by accident. accident. Yeah. Yeah. You just know do I, the seven sevens by accident. Like. <laughs> yeah. As you do. Uh, uh, we know. <laughs> we <laughs> turned up that day in the race oh, in the same. But the, before that, I was eating a lot. I was drinking a lot. And really what it was, was my fear, I think, of suffering. Mm. so you're always taking a wee thing to lift you up so you're never going into that like yeah. that place a little bit you know but I suffered at the end of coming off Binion mm. me was locking out and all sorts of shit was happening but the Carrot Cottage was shutting in half an hour and I had motivation I need to get there like Carrot Cottage is at the bottom of Binion like, yeah. so I didn't want to miss that yeah. big 15 and a can of coke yeah and I brought you around and, uh, so what, what's the wee lolly today? Um, he can't tell me, mate. No, he can't tell me. It's Kalapalikos. It's Kalapalikos. So the following week, Club Shop Akana. And maybe this was, was this inspired by Keith Clark? Maybe the four, the four donors? Or was it just to get. Well, Mark Malone right. had done the CCC. He told me that there was um, the last three times in CCC, he was advised to go and do Donner three times. Yeah. So I'd done it four times. So, because um, that'd be great training. None of this, all of this was. Log, log, in my mind, logic towards this race. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? And so I went down to do Donut, and that was another learning, very quick, sharp learning yeah. process. So the first time I did it, and I came down, looked at my watch, one fifty-seven. Thought, oh, that was good. It was just climb up and down Donut. So mm. one again. I didn't even feel it the second time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was like, whoa. I suppose there's, there'd been a shift in my strength after doing the more my ultra tired. Yeah. And I could really feel it in my body. I was like, geez, my legs are strong. Like, stronger than they've yeah. ever been. Like, do you know what I mean? But not that I'd done much pace work. But I came down and ran that 154. It was quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, but the third time was a surprise. Um, it lashed down. So I went into the shop and bought a top. So I actually top wearing here and I went up again and I had crashed totally. Oh, yeah, it was the toughest one, wasn't it? Totally crashed. And the reason being was the top didn't breathe. Yeah. That's why. I realised how important kit was. Yeah. Maybe maybe it was, maybe it wasn't like that. Because it was so warm. Yeah. And my top wasn't breathing and I was overheating. So I felt- really, really, really struggled. Yeah. So I came down, I put the damp tank top back on, took this off. And the fourth was okay. nothing. Yeah, it was absolutely. It was the strongest of the of them all. Yeah. So that was another lesson because I went from. Did you do the third one quicker than the second? Yeah, it was one minute quicker, yeah. one fifty three, which was and odd. And the fourth, yeah. And then the fourth one was one fifty. Yeah. One hour fifty, but it was another lesson because I crashed. Like I didn't think I was going to make it to the top in the third one. Yeah. And then the fourth one didn't feel it again. So mm-hmm. it was a, it was about accepting where you are. Yeah, and that's the build up of mel- mental strength too. Definitely, yeah, isn't it? Without Definitely doubt, like, is. yeah. So all these little pieces were sort of coming together. You, you know can I mean? see, I've just, I've just wrote that down there actually. You can, you can visualize the growth mm-hmm. of your mental strength, the whole, the whole yeah. chat here, you know. This, this key thing, we'll get, to, I suppose we'll get to it, but 
I don't think I was getting mentally stronger. I was becoming more accepting. Yeah. No, I don't know if they're different or the same thing. But what I mean from that is, like, you're going to get through it. Mm-hmm. So wh- whatever you're, whatever's coming at you at that moment in time, if you just accept it, mm-hmm. if you resist it, that's a different ball game. In your mind, your protective mind overtakes this. This is trouble. You can't do this. And that's like, when you do stop. And that's when you stop because your mind will amplify that. It'll put a spotlight on that yeah. and make you realize you're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't stop, you're going to die. <laughs> that's not good. It creates a situation. But it's all a crock of. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Your mind is trying to convince you, but it's just your protective mind. That's yeah. the way we're built. But if you can accept that, then it'll pass, like, you yeah. know what I mean? You can accept that, your mind relaxes, the fact that you're happy, you're confident, yeah. and it allows you to pass through And that. no matter how bad it is now, it, it gets better, like, until it does get better. Until you die. <laughs> until you die. And if you die, that's not good. <laughs> so that was on the Tuesday, we did the four... Four donors. The four donors, and these guys were doing the Dennis ranking then on Saturday. That's right. I hadn't slept from Friday, I was in cabin, drove up the road, and... Long story short, just listen to the podcast. My watch, which wasn't turned on all the time, said I'd done 20 miles and yeah. 10,000 feet of climbing. I donned was 22 miles and 11,000 feet of climbing. That felt good Yeah. to be getting that type of climbing in. Because CCC is only 20,000 feet. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're knocking out 10,000 feet of climbing every single time, um, that was a great... That was great training for me. Yeah. What was also really good was I was stuck with Keith Clark <laughs> in the dark, in the dark, going over Burner Mailmore, which was doing me great. Yeah. Because it was felt like a winter's night. Yeah. It was quite isolated up there. I thought this is brilliant for CCC. I'm wrecked. My motivation is starting to drop here, which is fine because that's what's going to happen. So it was, I was experiencing something. So Keith done me a great favour there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know we talked about that. Was Keith motivated at that time still, or was he gone? No, Keith was determined. Yeah, like, well, he always is. Like, you know, I mean, you'd have to. Sh- you shoot, shoot him ten <laughs> times, he still wouldn't lie down. No, Do you know what I mean? Yeah, different face that one. Um, but the week after that, then I did the Mon Wall. I thought, well, I'm strong now. I might as well take these boxes off. Yeah. That was another winner for me. I didn't yeah. feel it. Was that Ali took the wee small bag? Yeah. <laughs> Ali was going to go paragliding, I think. <laughs> he just jumped out of a plane. <laughs> so he was struggling, he had a big bag on. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, Ali's a legend, like, as you yeah. know. But that gave me a bit more confidence as well, because Ali is a far better athlete than I am. Like, And, you know, I didn't even feel it. I felt mm. like I turned around and went back again. Mm. And not, I mean, there was no, not even a dip or anything at all. This was like, I was a day out on the mountains. Yeah. And my confidence started building along with this, especially when we were hitting the climbs, because the climbs don't feel anything for me. Yeah. It's only when I was coming down, I was, I was hurting. Yeah. But everything I was doing, because like, it's 22 miles and 10,000 feet. So now I was, everything I was done was like 20 yeah, miles and 10,000 feet. Yeah. Yeah. Which was steeper than what the CCC is going to be, which is 62 miles and 20,000 feet. Yeah. If you think of it that way. Yeah. And so the next one was the very next weekend again. Seven Sisters. Yeah, seven, seven Sisters had done them. Yeah. Oh, well, that was the biggest one I've written down. Or like the big day out. I think that was your biggest day. 
That was a turning point for me. Yeah. Um, two races. Sort of boring people now, like so just that was two races. Saw, saw rambling. So Seven Sisters Challenge is um, muckish to Aragal. Yeah. Um, up in Donegal, day one was just seventeen miles with I think it was eight thousand feet of climbing. Mm-hmm. And the quite some skyline ridges that yeah. are like. I had the best race of my life. It's the first time I controlled a race like that rather yeah. than struggling through a race. I could accept what was coming on. It started off slow, obviously, because I was doing day two and back to back with Mark Hagney. Mm-hmm. And the second half of that race, I must, I just felt so strong. Yeah. I said, right, in the last three times, I'll just go for it. And I was actually excited about going up Aragon. You know, I'd never felt that before. I was like, Jesus, yeah. like, this is the end of the race. And I ran, you know, I remember looking at my watch, I'm on the 7.30s, the end of this race. This is just odd. And I finished the race and I felt like I just went back and started again. So that was a really good turning point. Yeah. So I did have to start again. And that was the next day, which was the um, Seven Sisters Skyline Challenge. It was longer. It was 50K and 13,500 feet. Yeah. So that was a big day. You should be tired from the day before. You sent me a message saying, remember, you'll be stronger. Yeah. So I hung that on my cuff and away I went. And I'd learned a lot about pacing in that. Yeah. Did you just, feel stronger? Yeah. Everybody took off. And I was, and I did, I don't know if it's because you said it to me or not. I didn't feel any fatigue from the day before. I just felt strong. Yeah. That was it. But everybody took off. And I thought to myself, well, I couldn't have been that pace this time yesterday, halfway through the race. Yeah. So you're all going too quick. I'm definitely coming back to you. It's like, and what? And slowly but surely, you, you yeah. know, you're taking people. The first six miles, I didn't even feel. Mm. I mean, literally did not feel it at all. Like I thought, I can't believe I'm halfway through the race here. This is nothing. Um, it was like 4.15 at the turning point. Coming back. Um, you know, I was bloated. And... I didn't have the energy that I had on the same climb as the day before. I was looking forward to the climb because I was so strong. Mm-hmm. And my energy had dipped. So I took a gel. Oh, my mind was telling me not to take the gel. But I was like, no, I need the gel. That's my fueling strategy. That, um, worked out in the morning way. It works perfectly six, seven hours. I can fuel with gels and shot blocks really well. And my stomach just threw. Like it just would not hold on to anything at all. And I totally crashed out. And I stopped and made myself sick, which sort of picked me up yeah. again. But I could not take a sip of, I couldn't take a drink of water, I couldn't eat anything. And How far did you go when that was happening? Um, well, it was six more hours, that's what okay. it turned out to be. And I literally, what I learned was I could put water in my mouth yeah. and convince myself I was drinking. Now, I was always staying safe. You know, I knew it wasn't over, I wasn't dehydrated in any way or form which was making me, but I did know my mistake, you know, when I came to a fuel stops, I love Coke. Mm. <laughs> and I'd already been taking gels and blocks and saying, don't drink too much Coke. As I was thinking that, I was drinking the fourth cup. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, shit, I've done it again. <laughs> and after the fuel stop, you know, I was, my stomach was struggling and I was struggling, but it would calm down after about five minutes and away yeah. go, but this time it didn't. And, I thought to myself, okay, I'm only training. There's three climbs left. I'll do this climb in DNF. Um, so I did that climb. I thought, 
I'm actually surprised that I actually zoned out on the climb. I asked this woman to move close to the top, and she went, "No, you're at the top." Right. I said, "I don't remember climbing this mountain." I was gone, like, and uh, I came down. I thought, "Well, I'm doing the next mountain, and I'm going to DNF." Yeah. I really did believe that, by the way. You know, and I mean, no, you did. You're really like positive. No, 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 no. I honestly don't know. Like, I did. No, but I mean, I no, like, I was going for like a long time. Mm. You know what I mean? We're going up the north face of Aragon, which yeah. I knew was going to be tight. Like, and I was feeling really, really sick. So I didn't. And every time I came down and thought to myself, I can't believe it. How did I even mm. do that? I have no energy. Whereas normally, when you think back to how much I used to drink and eat. Like that would stop me from going dark, mm. but I couldn't eat and drink, so it was leaving me out on my, yeah, on my own to deal with this. Like, which was a brilliant thing, yeah, because I thought I needed, I need this, I need yeah. this, I need this, but I was actually still being able to move forward and keep on moving forward, not as fast as I wanted to. Were you moving forward though with the thought of this here next mountain is with and it? This is where I stop. I was. Do you know what I mean? I so I get over this one and I'll stop. Oh, I get over this one and I'll stop. It was, yeah. Sounds like a wee strategy you have to get through. Well, it was. Like, like, you know, there's, there's a tracker. Yeah. <laughs> as well. And I thought to myself, when I've done the little aerial then, which was the hardest climb, the climbing in my legs were okay. It was just the fact that I didn't have any energy. Yeah. So I climbed that. I knew I'd take that off from the tracker. And I was like, no face of aerial. I'm going to take it off from the tracker. And then I'm going to DNF. <laughs> <laughs> so I sat at the bottom of Aragal, like I had to make myself sick. Climbed up Aragal, which I'm glad it was cloudy, because it is proper skyline climbing, really? like really ridges and climbing over boulders and rocks. And there's this little guy at the top, there's a small stretch about 40 meters, he guides you across, has you ready to go. I was so embarrassed, I had to stop halfway and just throw it all over the place. <laughs> and I'm like, more right, more right. <laughs> And then I come down the other side, I threw it about 10 times. Like, I know it sounds really, really bad. I had to get to the finish line yeah. anyway. So I thought I'd just keep on going. I felt okay in that race though. You know, even though I'd been sick and I felt, it would clear it yeah. and I felt okay to go on. Because Barry McCall told me it's going to pass. Yeah. It always passes. And did it? No. <laughs> <laughs> and that was what was in my head. I've done podcasts with all these ultra runners and I'm interested about that aspect of it. And it always passes. So I had confidence. This is at some stage. Like you talked about your energy and drinking the coffee yeah. and it took a long time. It's always going to pass. But it just didn't. <laughs> no, but it did because you did finish it. It passed like yeah. that after the race, right? <laughs> so it did. <laughs> yeah, eventually. But yes. Yeah. Two or three days later. <laughs> two or three days later. I tell you how bad it was. Um, I had to get driven back to the cottage we were staying in, right? I was meant to go home to work, but I couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> I had to tell Mark to go and get the my pillow and my quilt so I couldn't get out of the car. <laughs> and I lay in the car for about five hours. <laughs> totally feeling super sick like. Oh. But I know that sounds diabolical. But I still couldn't believe it finished in that yeah. condition on nothing. Yeah. That really made me realise. Yeah. That made me realise what my body and mind was capable of doing. Because yeah. if you had told me, right, you, you, you've got six more miles, so you're not giving me any more water and food, I would just walk off the course. Mm -hmm. There's no way my body would be able mm -hmm. to do that. I still felt strong at the end. Yeah. 
Do you know what I mean? I still felt strong at the end, like, so it took me 13 hours, I really crashed and burnt out. That was a big weekend, but big weekend, definitely. So that was, then you had the 10 miles the weekend after that. Well, I done back to back. Back to back, I 10 miles. Saturday and Sunday, 10 miles. On the road? No, um, in the mountains. In the mountains. So I was there, these guys. Yes, sir, that's right. So yeah. I'd done that, I'd done that the day before. So so everything was doing. The day we lost Marty, yeah. We lost Marty. Oh, I lost Marty. Um, but that was still a good day. So yeah, I thought, well, do you know what? I haven't took a break. I'm yeah. doing this every weekend now. I'm climbing over ten thousand feet, and that was twenty-one thousand feet last weekend. Yeah. And the weekend before that. So the next week then was the seven. Seven, seven sevens. sevens. And now, this was the text message. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is right. I actually he, talk, he talked us into doing. I did screenshot. I thought I forgot the phone, but I'm going to read the text. You're going to embarrass me now. No, I'm not. I'm not going to embarrass it. So this is the message from Robbie Morse. The morning of the 7-7s, seven, seven, I said, meet you all down there. And word for word, gents, my hip has settled considerably overnight, but the odds are stacked up against me. <laughs> have friends staying from Edinburgh. I'm slightly hungover. I have no lift down to Newcastle, and I have no map. I'm going to get up, get a bath. If the hip's not too bad, I'll get the 920 bus down, but won't know until I get out of bed. <laughs> It was very sore last night, hence took a few glasses of wine. So not going to take risks if I think there is one. I'll give you an update at 8 o'clock. The bus timetable was wrong. Yeah. He landed down to Newkip to Donner Car Park. He didn't have a map. He didn't have a whistle. No map. He didn't have a whistle. No whistle. No food. No food. No No. Food. Just water. I, just water. Water. I had like two gels, which I didn't want to take because of yeah. me being sick the week. Yeah, a couple of weeks before. But we done it. We done, but we done it. it like. Yeah. I mean, that was really good. Yeah. I had no. That was a bit of fatigue hit me on that one. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Any wonder, like, but I was dehydrated, wasn't I? Yeah, you. I was almost straight. drinking mud. Oh yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> I actually, like, I was filling my water bottle. Like, I didn't even care. Like, what was running down the pass? I just you drank them the two, water bottle. You drank them two brown bottles of water and. At, Ben Crumb. Yeah. <laughs> that was like a litre of, yeah. of Ben Crumb water. Yeah. Like that water down. was pure brown. So, but it was a good, it was a good, another good training. Good, good training out. He, he sort of got us a little bit lost, like, didn't he? Go oh, yeah, well, see. He had a mile and a half, I think, lost. I minutes. actually think that me taking an extra half a mile around helped. What was it? <laughs> Sleeve Big. Sleeve Big. No, Big and Cove. Big yeah, Cove, wasn't it? I, yeah. I think that was sleep big. Got me to the end of CCC. But you know what, though, to your point earlier on, like we were enjoying that. The reason why we went yeah. the wrong way was because we were enjoying the scenery. Oh, we were brilliant. going, look at that, and look at that. Yeah. Then I looked up and went, where are we actually? No, that <laughs> was a bit of a crack. Like, yeah. I did enjoy that. And that's when the, the plant faced dad went out the window then. Yeah, something. Uh, I'm starving. <laughs> Do you want a bop, Robbie? Eh? We'll get sitting up there, chicken. I'm full plug, basically, but that was the nicest chicken bop I've ever had. <laughs> Do you know that, that little bat lifted me? Like, oh, it was unreal I how much that lifted me. Again, though, to be fair, like, and I know we weren't really racing it, um, it was as fast as we could go on that day. I went on nothing again. Yeah. yeah. Whereas before I was always pumping loads of fuel into me. He just kept talking about jelly tots. I'm a bag of jelly tots. 
But mentally, you were asking loads of people for coke as well. Uh, oh, That's, I was hanging for coke, like yeah. absolutely hanging like for coke. Like everybody you met, like like cool. <laughs> and what happened? Like Evelyn, my wife, was at the yeah. finish line with a can of coke. Yeah, always yeah. get it. Like I know. So that that was a great to do that again. You know, some people advised me not to do that. I just went ahead, and I didn't feel it was a risk at all. It was just more climbing again. Yeah. Funny enough, going to CCC. See when we ran down the Clanry River. Yeah. I remember I hit the twig and I pulled the car from myself. There was a guy running with us, and he was doing actually TDS. Right. And um, he ran down the full length of the Clanry River with us, and I was talking to him. On the bus from the airport to um, Chamonix, sitting talking to this guy, and after about 15 minutes of materialised, it was him. I was sitting next to him in the bus and didn't even know. He says, like, what running club are you on? He goes, sleeve gunning runners. He goes, oh, I ran uh, the seven sevens there. were three sleeve gunning runners down the clan right. I goes, was a tall one there? He went, yeah, yeah, there's one big tall guy. He was actually meant to be here. He goes, no, hello. Oh, yeah. <laughs> said the boy we were... Yeah, Victoria, and he was like, he was sitting next to me in the bus, like. That's mental, isn't it? I I had loads Where's of. Where's he from? Cork or someplace like that. I don't know. Don't Mad. know. Don't know. He told me. But I had quite a few of those. Um, John McKinley. McKinney, is it? Um, he was the guy that went at twelve o'clock. Right. At the Dennis Rankin round in front of you guys uh-huh. that I was tracking. So I met him at the start race, and I met him after the first climb. No way. Like it's crazy, like it's a it small is. world, like yeah. And like, the, I met a, quite a few people there, like that. Who Paul um, Higgins, who's a phenomenal runner, like he had a real tough race. He he got second UTMB, and Aaron Montgomery from New AC. Yeah. They're in my landing in the hotel. Right. Which is a bit weird, like guys that I knew, like. Lots. And um, that brings us really to CCC. Paul Tierney, new Paul Tierney. Yeah. He done the two hundred fourteen peaks. Uh huh. But like, you were pretty strong at the end of seven sevens, even after what yeah. six hours you were. You you could see this. We we actually commented on it, didn't we? How strong he looked yeah. coming yeah. down the last. It looked as if it was yeah. easy for you, yeah. and that was the end of that was the end that was ready for. Yeah, and I think that was that was one of the things about it as well. Like the seven sevens has obviously helped. Yeah. See the fact that I was sick and was on the course even longer. Uh-huh. That helped. Do you know what I mean? You're out for thirteen hours, which is a great training session. Like. Yeah. Um, but all of these things have now becoming that when I finished, oh, it wasn't like when I used to race, yeah. your butt falling on the finish line. I felt like I could go back and do it again, mm-hmm. sort of thing. Which was a good indicator. I knew I was tired though after that because I'd done every, something every single week. Yeah. Um, but it was rest time. Yeah. Yeah. And you had a good rest up until, didn't you? I had a good rest. The week before I took off work, I'd done the meal moles every single morning. Yeah. <laughs> I just hiked them. Yeah. And I thought to myself, the first climb in CCC um, was like four or 5,000 feet climb. And I thought it was going to be the same as the meal was. I was just was trying to replicate what I'll be doing on the race. And every day, I just took the dog up the meal was. It was great to come back down, went to the swim pool, stretched out. You're, you're lucky to have the, the mods on your door. Yeah, yeah oh, it's amazing. Like, like, on, so there was only two or 3,000 feet over 5k, it was exactly yeah. 5k, and you had like two and a half thousand feet. So, we're just hiking that. I was sort of yeah. doing yeah. as I would do the race, like you know, yeah, but a great week leading up to CCC, like yeah. So, you're riding Chamonix, you know, a week before the race, a week before the race, 
had a good family saw a holiday there yeah absolutely blown away by Chamonix like yeah oh my god it's the centre of like it is the epicentre like the shops the like there was me scrambling to try and get a kit and Jesus is everything you'd ever want I remember walking out the hotel and seeing like Mount Blanc in the glass here and going wow I just couldn't believe it you know the gravity Mm. just how enormous and big it is See, the next day I walked down that road, I went, wow. (laughs) Next day I just went, wow. I just, every day, the same picture just went, wow. Amazing, like absolutely amazing. So we went up, we took the cable cars out and went around two and a half thousand feet to see what, or two and a half thousand meters to see what the altitude would be like. Mm -hmm. And all these trails were everywhere. That was great. Took any anxiety out of the race. I just wanted to run the trails now. These look amazing all over the place. So to me, when I go to CCC, it wasn't a race. I was getting an opportunity to run these trails. Yeah. So that made me excited about the race. And How many people run that race? So about 2,100 people run right. the race, right? It goes from, it's 101 kilometres. It's got, I think, 6,500 metres or 21,000 feet yeah. climbing. Through the Alps, starts in Italy, Comayer, goes through Switzerland, mm-hmm. Champilac, and finishes in France, Chamonix. Yeah. Um, it's not like me to know these things, like, yeah. but you get to know them. Yeah. <laughs> and the very first climb, so you got two miles. The race started, I was at the very, very back. It was the first bus to arrive, needed to go to the toilet before I had to go, um, before the race started. So it goes, no, I better go. Uh, stuck in the queue, came out. I was virtually at the very back of the race. The race starts in stages, nine o'clock, quarter past nine and half nine, depending on your performances. Right. And uh, my performances were all point winners. They weren't really. I was never in a condition to get oh, a good. Like, so like good for age pains, like. Yeah. And um, so I was at the back, but everybody looked elite. Everybody looked ripped, yeah. tanned. Right. I felt fat. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the all of the them. gear, and I was like, "Whoa, this is just mad." I could be last in this race. <laughs> or it didn't annoy you, did Just not at all. Like, I was going to get up. I built up a lot of confidence. Yeah. I was actually looking forward to the challenge yeah. of what I'd learnt yeah. of accepting, no matter what is going to happen, just deal with it. And the, it's a two like mile race to the first climb. When you start climbing just before that, everyone said to me, make sure you get up in front because it can be a bit of a cue yeah, to get onto yeah. the course. Mm. And the course, I talk old, old school, like, but when you get there, it's like a two mile, two, three mile climb. And it's 4,000, it's almost 5,000 feet of a climb. Right. We got to the trail and it was just roadblock. I had to stop and wait 15 minutes. Seriously? Yeah, so it was a big disaster. Like a bottleneck, people waiting. Huge bottleneck, single file. There was like five or six hundred of us stuck. And you could go nowhere. It didn't bother me. People were getting agitated around and all that. You know, this is lost time. And you have to meet cutoffs as well. Yeah. Um, I thought, I had in my head like to go out slow and then, you know, if I didn't want to blow up, I wanted to go out slow and be strong. Um, So I was patient enough. Three people actually didn't queue up and they walked up past everybody and it, you hear people mumbling and French and, you're, oh, and I went <laughs> and five or six hundred people started booing and like, and they just walked in front of everybody but the race organisers come up and took their number so I'd say right. they got penalised for that but then you got onto the climb and you started climbing up um, what was it called Tete de la 
tranche and show my. Serious friends, don't I thought he was French, sir, for a minute. He just took over. He's Italian. He was possessed. Happy to be. It was Italy. I'm sure my pronunciation's rubbish, like. Um, that was the first fight. That was the first time. 5,000 feet. I was worried about that. It was about 4,500 feet, maybe. Yeah. I think Dom's 2,000. What is Dom? 274, yeah. something like that. Um, but it was single file. And I just enjoyed the scenery. I started getting a bit bored going up it. It was daylight, it was... Daylight, wow. Yeah. Well, you climbed up, wow. You're climbing up in the Alps now. And you're climbing up really slow. There was bottlenecks on the climb. If you had a piece where you had to jump up on a rock, you were waiting two or three minutes. Right. So being at the back, you'd lost a lot of time. Um, when I looked at the tracker later on, those people were just flying at the front of the race because mm. there, there was no obstruction. Well, we were just stuck. Um, so you really want to be in, f- you'd actually exert energy to try and get ahead a little bit in the first mm-hmm. two miles, which is all wasted because then you just stopped and wait for 15 minutes. Yeah. You didn't gain anything by exerting any energy. Yeah, would you like to run at that? I wouldn't like to have run it, but I would have liked to push on, but I was okay. Yeah. No, that, I had no anxiety with it at all. I yeah. was like, I'm going to just enjoy this walk up. So what I did was I put the headphones on, new Garmin, put on Ian Keeves podcast. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, we're going up here. And it was ironic because in that podcast, I said to him, you know, I'm hoping to do CCC. I hadn't had an entry or anything. And I started talking to him about it. Yeah. And I got a lot of strength from that because I thought, here we are. Mm. Weird. Here I am. Yeah. Time's gone past. There was me just talking about, I'm hoping to do CCC. And he was giving me tips on how to do it. No so here I was getting <laughs> tips from me and Keith yeah. on the first climb, yeah. <laughs> actually doing the race. And I thought, wow, that's brilliant. Never let go. Because yeah. I was thinking about everything I'd gone through, you know, to get here. Never let go of it, like, yeah. always just keep the belief, like, that That's you'll enough. get there. And, but what I did notice when you got to the top then, people were stepping off the track to rest. Right. Which surprised me. Like, After the first climb? On the first climb, just before you got to the top. Now, there was altitude was kicking in a little bit, which I'd never felt. But my heart started going boom, boom. You know, I could feel it thud in my right. chest. Just the earth and I thought, you know, it's two, we're two and a half thousand meters up, which is quite high. Like, yeah. what is that, seven, eight thousand feet high? Mm. You're quite high. And so, got over the first climb and I started just jogging along. I was like a real tourist. I was like, what? I say to people, like, look at, look at this. And they're just running past me, like, yeah. you know, like, who's this? Who's <laughs> like, we're racing here. Like, I'm like, but look. <laughs> <laughs> It's big glaciers and you know, you're looking right down over Coma here. And it was running on the trail, it was quite a hard trail, it was hurting my plantar. So what I would do is run on the side of the trail. But I was getting stuck in Hill and Dale zone. Yeah. You know, all of a sudden yeah. you're taking twenty people yeah. and you're taking ten people. Yeah. But I wasn't feeling like I was putting any effort into it. And I was like, Oh I come around this corner and my phone fell down this ravine. <laughs> and I was like, shit. <laughs> So I went down to get it, it wasn't far, like 20 yards down this steep bank, like people were going, what's he at? Like, um, but it made me take stock, go, hold on a sec, you're going too quick here. Uh-huh. You know, you want to be going a lot slower. Yeah. Um, it was already doors into the race. Really right? early doors, so was, there was a good bit of downhill and it was 28 degrees, right. Right? so it was hot. Yeah. And I didn't put any cream on before I went out. Really hot, you're high, it's humid. You. I think the average, I don't know what it was, like two and a half thousand meters. Oh no, it was around, it was 1700 meters was the average height of where mm. you're racing. 
if you are up pretty high as well, not a cloud in the sky. And I could see people burning already. Um, so I stopped to put sun cream on. What sort of time of day was this? This would have been like, uh, like yeah, about 12, or... 1 o'clock. Right. Right. People were burning. It was hot. Like, and I was thinking, I didn't want to stop to put cream on because it was taking places. Yeah. So I stopped anyway. And I goes, I'll phone Evan as well, just to say, you know, Race right. start. I'm in, in the zone. Like, it's lovely up here. <laughs> it's lovely up here. I put suntan oil on me, and about 40 people overtook me. She goes, geez, you're doing really well. You've gone from 1900th when we first looked at you on the top of the climb to 1700th. Now you're 1600th. Right. That changed my That's mindset. It. Yeah. I'm not, hold on a second. I'm not here to enjoy myself. I'm here to race. Yeah. yeah. All those other races were getting through it. So I set myself a goal of, well, I'm going to take the next 10 people. Yeah. But conservatively doing it. So I was always looking for that line past them. Mm-hmm. As soon as the line came, I took yeah, it. Yeah. Not fast. You didn't even have to go that fast, but you know, everyone's taking along. You're at the back of the race as well. Like, so I took 10, then I took another 10, then I took another 10. That was great. We came down into a field stop. I'm not going to be able to pronounce it properly. Like, and you go places like Refuge, Bernardi, like oh, my Salmon, Bernardi. Coat of mm-hmm. oh, geez, that was named over this place. It was phenomenal. Like you're running in the Alps now, and we went into a great fuel stop. The fuel stops are amazing. You got cheese, bread, noodle yeah. soup, rice, coke. Everything is in these. So I went in the field and I came out, and something had changed. I was onto the second big climb. I felt like so strong. Mm-hmm. I was buzzing like. So we hit the climb, which was a really steep climb. It was two and a half thousand feet, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it was quite stiff, but it was only over a couple of miles. So I was right, I'll just tread behind people. Mm-hmm. What I'd noticed was people's numbers, was I'd actually caught the second wave. Right. And I thought, geez, I've been really conservative. How far away were they, did they start in front of you? 15 minutes. Right. So, and I was sort of thinking, I, okay, you might be in front of me, but no, yeah. you're 15 minutes behind me. Yeah. Yeah. So it was building my confidence up. And on that climb, you know, you climb when you always look at the person's feet in front of you. Yeah. And they look so fatigued. So I goes, okay, I'll overtake these guys. Don't overtake these guys. And I was just, I felt a bit embarrassed actually overtaking yeah. so many. As, do I look like, I might be really naive here. You yeah. thought to yourself, I'm not getting too cocky here. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I didn't want people thinking yeah. that about me, thinking like, well, he's going to blow up. This is very easy here. Yeah. And, but it was very easy. Yeah. I felt really, really strong. Yeah. And it was, a, it was just really going to be a really hard climb. It's not burner. Yeah. None of these climbs are burner. None of these climbs are lamagan. Like, they're not sharp climbs. They're Grand. high climbs. They are zigzag, you know yeah. what I mean? And people were struggling going up them. Yeah. But for us that are trained in the mons that were up and down, they're not as sharp as those. Right. So whatever muscles you have developed to do that, like I was in the green the whole time. But I was pushed, not pushing up this hill. I didn't feel like I was pushing with breath. Steady up it. Going steady up it. But I was overtaking everybody. Yeah. Like I took about two or three hundred people on that one climb. That's mad. And but that's for, that's probably been great for you every person you passed. I started... Yeah, without a doubt, like, these people looked amazing, right? And I remember overtaking somebody, behind him overtaking them. I would count to ten and look behind. I couldn't believe how far behind they were. Uh, just personal. Everybody was that far behind every time yeah. I overtook. Then the altitude hit me. Mm. 
first time ever I really got hit with altitude. This is the highest climb. So the climb was Grand Corfret anyway, and it's the highest point of the race. Right. And with about 200 meters to go, 300 meters to go, I could really feel the altitude. What well, it just slowed me down, like short, everybody. Short, shortness of breath or sickness or dizziness. Just enough energy. Right. All of a sudden, this is hard. Yeah. It wasn't even zapped. It was getting really hard when it shouldn't be. Right. Now you could see the peak. Did that come on or was that like an instant? It was pretty instant to be right. honest. Like, it obviously was there. I could feel it. I just yeah. thought it was the climb building. Yeah. And, and then bang. But it was just wrong. But I knew, I thought to myself, everybody must be feeling this. Yeah. Two and a half thousand meters. Two and a half thousand meters. And that just come on like a slap. But I mean, my my chest was starting to pain. Lifting the arms with the sticks was getting, the sticks were getting really, really heavy. Mm -hmm. You could see the top, I knew it was altitude. Yeah. And I was loving it. Because even this was not going to stop me. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? It didn't matter that this was happening. I felt like I was in a moon suit. That's right. what I was thinking. I was like, this is like I'm walking on the moon now. This is like, ugh. Yeah. You know, it was really hard. I've never experienced it before. Because in the heat of the day, it was hot. Yeah. Got to the top of the mountain and run out of water. No way. Um, <laughs> Not like you. <laughs> but I mean, it was very, very hot. Like, yeah. And there was all these bottles of water and Coke with the first aid guys. And I says, have you any water? And they were like, 3K down the mountain. And I just <laughs> looked at them and went, have you any coke? Uh. Was, next water stop, 3k down the mountain. He wasn't giving me any because it was obviously for people that were in need. Yeah. So downhill's almost my problem. Were you not in need? I was in need. Like, <laughs> I thought, well, there's a bit of motivation for me. Now I'm going to run down this mountain because right. I need water. That, as soon as I came over the top and I went to run down, my insides and my two knees screamed. I mean, were like, oh, oh. Right. they were sore. Took out the tiger balm, rubbed it in, just disappeared mm -hmm. straight away. I thought, can nothing go wrong this day? This is unbelievable. Like, so I had an answer for it, which I had trained in yeah. as well. And um, so I was running on, and you're running down. I need water now. Now it's very warm. I don't know if it was three or four o'clock in the afternoon. Just thinking, actually, I can't wait until it gets dark. Yeah. Because you know, this is very warm for us Irish guys. Like, mm -hmm. and I could feel a bit of a cramp in my. Cut very, very minor, but just something twitched mm -hmm. into a little bag. Pulled out two salt talents, bang, gone. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Didn't even think about it. Like, I felt like I had an answer for everything, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was oh, taking people on the downhill in the same way as I was taking them uphill. Right. I wasn't running fast, I didn't think it was mm -hmm. thirsty, like, but it kept on building my confidence because I'm not Were you downhill. feeling better on the way down after the sickness at the top of the, the altitude? On the way down. I wasn't getting a benefit from it, if you, if you think. But I'd say, yes, the weight lifted. Just kind of going away. The weight yeah. lifted. Yeah. Um, there was a guy there with a hose, three kilometers. It wasn't a fuel stop or anything. And there was a, like, a little tiny shack of a restaurant. I went and got a Coke. Yeah. <laughs> Ice cold, lashed it into me. Yeah. It upset my stomach. And I felt drained. It's the first time I felt a little dip. Right. And my stomach was upset. Burped a few times and then boom away I went again. Yeah. <laughs> it's like blown out a bit of black smoke at the back. Like yeah. went on again and there's a lot of downhill in it, there's small climbs in it. I'm still overtaking people downhill, running conservatively, still in the green the whole time. Uh -huh. My breath, totally in control. There's no rays of breath or anything. 
I'm just enjoying this now. This scenery is amazing and my confidence is building all the time. Mm-hmm. Now I'm starting to get excited about the last three climbs of the race. And as a, you, you came into a place called La Foley. The, nice the biggest one, the biggest climb already done as well. Biggest climb already done, but early on in the race. Right. Uh, so La Foley was coming up and it is the nicest place. I actually, it was coming up to a marathon distance and I was tracking for nine hours. I thought it'd be good if I could get nine hours. And it was five minutes before it. Yeah. So I hadn't overpaced or anything. It was only five minutes. Perfect. And I was saying it really good, which built the confidence even more. It was in the most the nicest place I've ever been in my life. Like yeah. that's why I took the photo and posted it on Facebook. That's the photo, yeah. And we came through this wee um wood cabin cottage. Not cottages, but wood cabins village. Mm-hmm. It's coming down through there. And we're on flat where normally I'd be walking. And I was able to do an ultra shuffle. Right. Which I wouldn't normally be able to. I'd normally be walking and I was like, your body wants to go slow, just go slow, whatever. Yeah. And I had a bit of an epiphany doing that. I thought to myself, like, this is the difference. Usually I'm trying to hang on. Yeah. Whereas here I'm letting go. Yeah. I've learned to let go of whatever you're going through. And then you just, your body allows you to go. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're not yeah. trying to get to yeah, the full yeah. day. You're just enjoying the moment. And you're accepting, like, when your knees went sore, this went sore. My stomach was upset, actually. I took a sickness tablet. Mm, did it work? It, it worked. It settled <laughs> me, like... Another answer. <laughs> it was just another answer. Yeah. Went to the Foley, and I fueled really, really well. Came out of there. I felt even stronger than I had done the whole race. Now, I've been going, like, like nine hours. Yeah. And I was still taking a lot of people there. I thought, this is just... I was extremely excited. Um, We hit the climb then coming into Champelat and people warned me about the climb. It was quite stiff. Mm -hmm. Um, So just be careful. That's quite a surprise. And this is where the main stop is, is at 34 miles. And they always say, this is where it's going to turn from day to night for me. Right. And there's three big climbs after that, like Donard. Um, Always fuel up, get a good change of clothes, fuel up. And I had such a big feed in the Foley, you know, 40 minutes ago. I was coming up to the race. I was in such good form. I actually didn't even want to stop. Right. Um, I had the sport crew there. They travelled two hours in the bus, Evan and the kids. Yeah. So it was going to be good to see them. Um, so I had to stop. They brought socks for me. I'm putting the bloody socks on. Yeah. I had to change my clothes. And I didn't really want to eat, but everybody prior to that, you know, that had done the race said make sure you feel you need to come out there feeling fresh i want him feeling super fresh yeah so i fueled and i fueled i can eat no problem and i did exactly what everybody told me to even though my intuition was telling me not to because mm-hmm. i was in such great form and um, it was it turned it was just on the edge of dark so one off in the dark and all of a sudden it felt different that oh. sickness um i was I was gorging myself too much at the fuel stops because yeah. I always had like a lull for about 15 minutes and I would take off again. Yeah. So when I came out there, I had the lull and I wasn't taking people. It was dark. I'm right. running on a bit. Um, I actually thought Champagne Lake was on halfway up the first climb, but it wasn't. You had to come back down before you got to the climb. Right. And I you st- must have had loads in there, did you, at that stage? I, 
I say it wasn't loads, but on top of what I'd eaten, more than you needed. More you? I didn't need anything. Yeah. I didn't need anything to eat. Oh, you didn't need. I didn't need anything. I'd already fueled forty minutes in the. What were you eating? Cheese and pasta. Cheese and I'd taken like noodle soup with rice in it, like um, two loads of them. I had coke again. I loved the coke, but I knew it was Gorbin. Yeah. I already knew that on each of the, this was like fuel stop five mm-hmm. in the first four fuel stops when I was coming out I was like you need to be careful because yeah. you're gobbing yourself yeah. and that's why I was getting a lull when I was coming out you don't need to be eating that much yeah. food and what you reflect back on like the seven sevens etc mm-hmm. you don't need to because you're putting risk into your body that was it I hit the next climb which was 2000 foot and I could feel the sickness coming on started feeling sick and I was like no it's okay that's fine started climbing I knew I was a lot slower uh-huh. climbing but nobody was overtaking me uh-huh. you know I was still okay I was still confident but it was a lot so I wasn't feeling that buzz yeah. all of a sudden things had changed so I climbed to the top of the first climb and they are right like it's in pitch black and you can see head torches all the way up that plays your mind you're like what Mm. I have to go there. <laughs> you get there and it's a false summit and no, you have to go here. And it drags on a bit. So at the top of that, come over the top, I was still okay, but I knew I couldn't even drink water. Right. Like water was actually poison to me. It was making me feel really sick. I thought, uh, you know, hopefully it'll sell. I've been here before <laughs> in the seven sets, it's fine. Coming down um, the hill lasted forever. It's five miles down the mountain. Yeah. Um, it's quite steep trail quite steep yeah but like a fire trail so mm. it's pretty open to, no it was quite it was a trail like my IT band went mm-hmm. now that was a problem that was sharp pain into my knee and I was like shit my IT band's gone like and that obviously straight away I knew it was because of the hip issues that I've been having mm. you know it's all around the glute your IT band it was too steep to come down and it was pain in agony and it took like that climb was four hours that's how long it was up and down i think yeah that climb it's like midnight now you're coming down and people are starting to overtake me now because of my knee right so i actually could not put my leg down onto the ground and but i was stumbling through it like stumbling through it and there's still people around you there are people in front of you there's always people right throughout the race about 200 people overtook me right and i was like shit you felt like all your hard work was... All the hard work, but I knew I'd made a mistake going into Champelac. You know, I didn't want to stop. Um, not Stopping wasn't the problem, but the overfueling was the problem. Like, And I sort of knew I was gorging. It sort of caught up yeah. on me. And my stomach had bloated out, so it was, there was a gastro problem going on. Like, mm-hmm. I can't eat or drink now. Okay, just keep grinding, keep grinding. My energy started going and going. My knee was sore. I actually couldn't put my foot on the ground then. I was sort of walking sideways down this freaking <laughs> down this mountain. Um, I started feeling really sorry for myself very quickly. And like, well, I wouldn't say quickly. This is over like an hour trying to yeah. get down. Trying to get down. It's five miles down. I should be flying down here. Um, and I, at that point, I was coming close to the bottom. I thought, there's no way I'm going to be able to climb this next mountain. Commit four hours. Yeah going up and down the next mountain was this the last one there were two to go so in my head it's the first time i had gone forward it's going to take me like seven hours to finish this in these Mm -hmm. two mountains I can't I can't even get down this mountain I'm now walking sideways 
Pulled out my phone, phoned my wife, Evelyn, it's one o'clock in the morning, near the checkpoint off the bottom. I said, look, I'm struggling to get down the mountain, like my, my knee's killing me um, and I can't eat or drink. My energy has gone very, very quickly. Like, it was still very warm as well. I yeah. found it was warm. And she goes, well, you can't get up, just strap it up and keep going. Good, <laughs> 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 nice. <laughs> and I was like, there's, there is a key point to all this, like, we'll come to it at the end. Like, and I was like, okay. <laughs> Put the phone down. Not that I don't think I ever would have give up. Yeah. You know, but yeah. you were looking for, oh, your yeah. protected mind was looking support. Like, someone that said, just stop. Your, your, your mind wasn't winning the battle, really. And it wanted, it was like, phone a friend, get Evelyn on there. And Evelyn, <laughs> no, was, Evelyn wasn't on the, on the mind side, it was on my side. Yeah. You can't give up, strap it up and move on. Yeah. So I was feeling sorry for myself. It was the people overtaking me that were making me feel sorry for myself. I had stopped at that point accepting what was going on. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? I was yeah. feeling sick, I was weak, and I had a sore knee. Yeah. This is a problem, this is oh shit. And my mind was amplifying that and using that against me. So I came to the bottom and I came to the fuel stop. There's the big tent and you can see all the people in it. There's about 100 people in it. I guess I'm not going in there. If I go in there, I'm not coming out. Right. So I walked over the checkpoint and walked on. So we did like up to the next mountain. Didn't go in. Didn't go in. I guess no, I'm not going no in. No fuel, no food, no. No, there was a water thing attached right there. So I just filled the two water bottles and food in my bag. Right. Which I hadn't yeah. eaten. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It was all good food like bread or whatever. Yeah. Like. Drunk water, felt sick. Ate a bit of dry bread, felt sick. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, it's going down. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. But it was making me feel really not great. Like, yeah. So just keep moving. There was three or four people went past me, right? So I went on their heels. But I felt strong. My knee obviously didn't hurt going up. Mm. I knew it wouldn't because IT band is always going down. Mm. You know, if you if you ever walk down the yeah. stairs, going up's fine. Yeah, yeah. Whatever way that flex situation happens, it's only so I knew I'd be okay going up. So I was actually able to hold my own. Nobody ever took me going up. But every hairpin on that mountain, there were bodies lying, like, you know, people were starting to suffer, like, this this race. This was it at dark, was it? This was dark. This yeah. is now two o'clock in the morning. Right. Start at half nine the morning before. People lying around. Um, every corner. And these people looked fit. You know, I'm not, I don't see myself as, like, being one of these fit sort of in fast endurance people. Yeah. Across these people were fit. But I was like, are you okay? You all right? You okay? Yeah. You know, my, uh, my spirits were still all right. I was climbing up. And I've committed now, so I have to go up this mountain. Yeah. Were there people with them? Or were they just... Nope. Like... Just sitting there. There's, there's 2,000 people. There's always people going yeah. past. But every hairpin corner, stone, if there was just somewhere to sit, there was somebody there. That's mad. Just simple as that. I remember looking at the trail, and like, you see, the thing that was amusing me was spiders. There's a lot of spiders on this trail. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I was just hanging on to this guy and he was like, by this stage I could speak fluent French, by the way. Because <laughs> he was like, he was talking to me in French and I was talking back. Right. <laughs> and he, I thought he was asking me to love a thing and I was like, no, 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 you, you know, he was like, <laughs> 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 was like no, 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 it was so funny, like, but it wasn't funny at the same time. But I was climbing, climbing, climbing and I was like, I need to eat, I couldn't eat. My energy was starting to sap and sap. We got to the top, close to the top of the climb. And I'll never forget, there's a small Japanese or Chinese girl lying at the side of the trail, 
like we're open right the trees and all now like it's just in the open near the top and she had the foil safety blanket over mm -hmm. and it reminded me of something out of Everest do you know oh. I walked past there I didn't know whether to say is she alright or not yeah. she's not going to rest if she's sleeping and she's just having a rest to me she was just having a rest like, yeah. and I believe she was I thought, well, there's a trail of people behind me here, there. And I looked, and they all walked past. I had visions of people walking past, you know, people dying on the top yeah. of Everest, like, and nobody's helping this poor girl, like, um, but she's grand, like, but we, we came to the downhill then, and again, I was struggling going down, and it was depressing. All these people started overtaking me. There was carnage all up that mountain, yeah. by the way. There was bodies lying. I decided to try. That must be playing yeah. mental games with your head too. Like yeah, these yeah. people are laying down here. Yeah, that wasn't helping me. No, it, was I, help, I, it wasn't helping my mind. Who was trying to win a battle over yeah. me? Do you know what I mean? I was like, look at these people. Like they're all laying down here. You know, and you always have to be like you don't want to cross. It's only a race. Mm. You know, it's not worth risking something over. Yeah. You know, you always have to be mindful. Like, am I good enough and fit enough to move on? Well, I knew I was, like, coming down, I was slow, and I was like, oh, th this is tough, like, yeah. um, in fact, this is shit. Mm. I don't like this, like, I don't like, it. this isn't for me. You know, this, I, like it broke me. <laughs> I knew it was like this. All, all of a sudden, my mind had switched totally, I was like, this is not for me, like, you know what I mean? When I come back, I'm going to recover, I'm going to go back to 10k racing. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is what was in my head, like, I was like like this is just pure suffering like why would you even want to do this like and uh, we came to this um fuel stop on the way down and it was in a cow, cow shed uh -huh. and i walked in and what carnage there was like people are here. people just had their hands in their heads like they were done they were just done like and i was looking at them and i'm like i'm not stopping here it was like morgue really? it was like walking into a morgue but these guys look so fit you know i never see myself like that so it was always like yeah. a surprise to me and I'm like, I'm not stopping, I can't, if I stop here, I, I got a little cup of noodle soup on the way out, it was just hot water, it made me feel sick again. So I walked out and I wanted to be sick, yeah. but it was somebody's garden, yeah. the old cabbage and all I was like, well I can't be sick, I'm in there, I'm going to vomit all over. So it just went on. So I took the podcast out again, put it in my ears and listened to Paul Clark doing the... Uh, yeah. What you call the races on this weekend, the 200k carry away. Uh -huh. And he really helped me because what he said was, it's just pure suffering. Yeah. You know, he really <laughs> elaborated on it. Yeah. He says, it's nothing but just suffering. And I thought, oh, that helped me a little bit because it made me realize, well, no, you're actually meant to suffer a little bit. You know, you're meant to be suffering. Yeah, you yeah. can't do it without You can't do it. You can't do that without suffering. Yeah, the problem was I'd stop accepting the fact, yeah. right? So resistance the resistance, I mean, it was strong resistance, yeah. you know, for my wife to bail me out. She wouldn't help me. <laughs> you know, resistance well, was there. <laughs> Other people were dropping out. Why can't I? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And I thought about the things that I've done had gone through my head and the, the journey had gone on to get here. Like, um, I made a commitment to myself. It was straight after Evelyn got off the phone, actually. I said, Do you know what? In two days' time, I would be so annoyed at myself if I pull out of this race. Mm. I goes, I'm going slow here. I says, but I'm, the commitment I made was, you're going to time out. You're not going to give up. Like, yeah. So once I made that commitment, I was able to move forward. Do you know what I mean? And not yeah. stop. Because I thought I was, because you have to make the time yeah. checks. Yeah. I thought I'm going to time out here. This day, I can't even go on, on my leg. Like, mm -hmm. 
and that was good because it wasn't my decision anymore. Yeah, you understand what I mean? Hands. It's out of my hands. I'm just going to keep moving forward until somebody says, No, you can't. You can't go. Yeah. And then it's not me. Then I've done the best I can. Like, I'd be happy with that. Yeah. So we kept on moving forward. We came to the next fuel stop at the bottom and I went into the tent and I mean, I had not, I was wrecked, right? I sat down next to this English guy, Nathan, right. and his wife was saying to him, Nathan, you have to get off the chair. You have to, you have to do this. You cannot give up. <laughs> and I said, I went, <laughs> Well, you can give up. If <laughs> <laughs> you give up, I give up. Yeah. <laughs> and it really, it wasn't as blunt as that, but the conversation was that, like, yeah. you know, I says, you know what, I'm getting up and going now because we're not doing each other yeah. any favours. Yeah. And I came outside. Did he get up? He did, he, did, he did get up. Right. I came outside, I was feeling really sick. I tried to make myself sick. And we, you do a loop, a flat loop, right? I thought we'd gone the wrong way and ended up back to the same place. <laughs> If that was the case, I was out of that bloody race. Because <laughs> I came across the tent again. I thought it was the tent. Right. And I thought, you are joking me, have we gone the wrong way? But it wasn't. <laughs> right? It was just a different stage. It was the very last checkpoint before you'd done the last climb. Yeah. And you looked up, and all you could see was head torches, 2,800 feet yeah. straight up. And your mind wouldn't accept it. Like You're like, oh my God, that looks horrendous. I was actually could not work out were they coming down or were they coming up? Right. So I was looking at where right. the lights were and the spots were on the ground and they all looked like they were coming down, but they're actually going up. Right. What I didn't realise was I was starting to <laughs> lose it. <laughs> but I didn't realise. Right. I was feeling sick and I was making myself sick, so I started to climb and I was a bit confident I had some legs in me, right? So when people went past, I just went on the back of them. Yeah. But I had, well, I had to sit down and be sick, right? I was sick. And Nathan went past me. So I thought, oh, there's Nathan. I got to the bottom of my climb. Nathan was sitting on a rock. Uh, I said, Nathan, I didn't stop. I said, you, because I was moving. I was you like, Nathan. Nathan, you have to get up. Like, you have to do this. Like, he says, I don't think I can do this. Like, I said, you have to do it, Nathan. Like, I left him. And started up this climb anyway, following people's feet. And it's a zigzag, zigzag. Still not burning or anything. Yeah. Not like that, but it's just zigzag. It's 2,900. Like, I was thinking to myself, you have not eaten. This is not the skyline. <laughs> This is not the Seven Sisters scanning where you didn't eat. This is 2,900 feet now, you have to go up. And you've been doing this now for the last six or seven hours or whatever. And, but I was amazed that people had left on this trail little artifacts, like a little carved fish. Mm-hmm. You know, was sitting there like made out of stone. I thought, oh, that was cool. Like, you know, somebody's done this, blah, blah, blah. And I remember looking at my watch, which has just turned back on again. Yeah. Because I knew how long the climb was, so I wanted to just break it down, two mile climb, you know, 1.9, 1.8. Yeah. Walked for ages and looked down and it was 0.15. I went, oh, don't look at your watch. <laughs> just climbing, 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 you flick your wrist, the light comes on. Uh-huh. 0.19. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not joking. It's it was 0.19 and then it was like 0.33, so I did just turn the watch off, like, that's not helped me. And then I see, one of the wee carvings was like a little baby's foot. Uh-huh. That was still, I thought that was mad how they'd done that. So pick it up. It turned from a baby's foot to a rock. <laughs> 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 it turned into a little rock. And I went, oh my God, none of those things I have seen up to here were real. They're all stones <laughs> and rocks. <laughs> and it was, I had a mild hallucination going on. Because obviously the tiredness and not eating, I was still uh-huh. pushing on. 
I walked on, there's this like big piece of foam. Oh. I said, that can't be foam, because I have to stand on it. And so I was standing there with my pole poking this rock <laughs> to make sure I could stand on it. <laughs> and it was, yep, it's a rock. It's not real. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't as bad as I'm making it sound like, it was just my hallucination. Oh. That helped me, you know, because then oh. I took that on board and went, okay, I'm going to enjoy what I see. <laughs> yeah. So I could see like, like little faces and rocks and stuff yeah. going up and I thought that's good and um, but that, that was that was a tough climb I'm not joking that was that was the last climb that was the last climb and I had nothing and I was thinking this would be tough on a day you just got out of bed yeah but I don't have an ounce of energy and I do not know how I'm moving forward on this is tough got to the top and you're praying it was the top and it wasn't there was a summit then you, you got to the next top and it wasn't and the next top, I was like, I don't think it's the top. Stop believing you. Know? <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it sort of was the top, but you'd only gone like two miles and it took forever. Um, and you're still in darkness at this time. You're still in darkness, right? So you'd come over the top and it's all downhill now. You're above Chamonix. Yeah. You're on the opposite side of the mountain now and you're looking down where you've been living this week, but you're right at the top. Right. And you're like, wow, that's crazy. I don't know how I'm going to get down here because mm-hmm. of my knee. Mm-hmm. You know, I know this is steep. I was trying to work out where I was in the mountain because I'd been there all week. And, but something kicked in and I was like, well, jeez, I could actually break 23 hours. Because my goal was only 22. I could break 23 hours, you know, if I could push and you're trying to work it out in your head, blah, 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 18 minutes. Maybe it's an 18 minute mile. I could do this. Like, uh-huh. that helped me. All of a sudden I started pushing a bit. Yeah. Even though I didn't have much energy, but it gave me a different focus. And my light flashed, right? You know, the pencil mm-hmm. flash wants to say your battery's getting low. Yeah. So I said, like, I'll stop and change it. So I'll take the backpack out. You've got a spare battery. Stuck it on. Put the head torch on, turned it back on. And didn't realise it was daylight. Oh. Oh. <laughs> it was just turning. Like, do you know what I yeah, mean? Your light yeah. was so bright, you didn't notice it crept yeah. in. So it lost like, whatever, seven, eight minutes changing this battery. Just because my head wasn't. Yeah. Fully there. But I was really in race mode all of a sudden. And I was actually feeling, even though I was weak, something had changed again. Uh-huh. I'd, I'd gone from feeling sorry for myself to, shit, I need to get under 23 hours yeah. here. Yeah. And all of a sudden I started pushing. Slipped my right ankle a little bit. No, it's okay. I slipped my right ankle again. I was like, Jesus, like, this is a bit more technical, maybe because I'm tired. Yeah. Um, and this woman was running in front of me. So I was sort of wanted to overtake her anyway because I was really trying to 22.50 would have been great mate and not that made any difference to anybody but her phone started ringing and she goes I'm not bloody answering that like so she's running on and then she just stopped dead in the trail and I went to jump around her snap my ankle just went I lay in a heap on the ground like screamed had to take the shoe and the sock off you know you uh, you really take it off it's like 91k done like and now I can't even put my weight on my, my ankle. I thought, jeez, what more do you have to do? And she goes, you all right? I just told her to go. I was annoyed at her. Like, yeah. But it, I don't think it was her fault. Mm. I still think it was my fault. Yeah. You know, I sort of slipped my right ankle twice just before that. And mm-hmm. um, the grind was a bit... More than You know, it was like... So I was like, shit, no, just get up. And you know, sometimes you can run it off. And yeah. I did run it off. I was able to run it off. And then I got to the last station. I was getting competitive again. I was like, I need to, 
I need to push on. I don't want these people to overtake me. Yeah. I was starting to think I was going to be last. I was looking at how many lights were coming behind yeah. me. Little did I know I was actually in the top half of the race at this stage. There's still a thousand people behind me. Yeah. So I was going, I didn't realise how strong I'd been going through the race like. And we got to the very last, there's five miles to go. It's the very last station. I was dumb. I had to go straight down the hill. I had an IT band issue that was going to hurt me. And I had no energy. I went over and took a cup of Coke, which I thought made me sick. And it settled my friggin' stomach. Right. Just like that. I went, frig's sakes. Would that, would that have done that ages ago? Yeah. Just took the sickness totally off me. So I filled the water, my, my water bottle with Coke. Mm-hmm. It's five miles to go to the finish now. Um, now I'm worrying about 24 hours because I've lost a lot of time when I was on the ground for like 15 minutes or whatever. Yeah. Like, like over 24 hours felt like a DNF to me. Yeah. All of a sudden, the, what is the cutoff? 26 the, and a half. 26 and a half, right. And like over 24 all of a sudden felt I'm... Aye. No, I'd be embarrassed. I know I'm going to finish now. Yeah. But I'd be embarrassed like over 20. I don't know why. Like I, just, I don't want to be over 24 hours. And now I've got some fuel in me which it's like getting... Injected with something, yeah. Because I got sugar into my system, my stomach cell. That's good. It's just my T band. So I just gritted my teeth and started running. Yeah. And it was so steep, like straight down. And I kept running, kept running, and I went numb. It was sharp, dull, or oh, dull and numb. I thought winner. You know, numb's okay. Like yeah, <laughs> numb's good. Numb is good. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. so, it's not going to go the other way. And actually, the gradient started easing off a bit. And because it was numb, the pain started disappearing. Mm-hmm. So all these people that had overtaken me, all of a sudden, I was running. And then the pace started picking up. The pace started picking up, and I was starting to take people again. And then when we came off that climb, which was really really steep, with two miles I think left, I was running like a freaking lunatic. It was definitely six minutes something a while yeah. like you know and the people were looking at me going like what are you doing like he about 20 people went past me you were right with the ankle shoe off and all yeah. like holding the ankle and all of a sudden i was on my i was on my toes it was just pure adrenaline because because i had no watch or nothing i didn't know how close it was to 24 hours yeah i was working out in my head you know 25 minutes i'd be over at 24 minutes i've done that calculation about 20 times yeah you know what yeah. you do you know like, and I hit the flat and I was running like mad and there was stairs over the road. And I, you know, instead of crossing the road, you had to yes. go up steps to build. Yeah. Are you joking me? Like, I can't go up anything else. Like, so up the steps, ran across that and down. And this, this guy started challenging me, I think, <laughs> to know, which I wasn't happy about. So up another gear. <laughs> and I was running like a lunatic. It was only like, one kilometre left to go. Yeah. And the crowds were out. So that was a benefit of actually losing that hour. It's half eight and coming to half eight in the morning. The crowds were out, everybody was cheering you. And I realised that you were now just about to run the finish of the UTMB. Yeah. Like there's ten thousand people running that, but you're next to yeah. come down that finishing shoot. No matter what race you're yeah. in, like some of the people before you are the best ultra runners in the mm-hmm. world that day. Do you know what I mean? And now it's your turn. Class. And everybody's giving you exactly what they're okay, getting. That, yeah. So my poor son was running with me, giving me sleep running runners. And I was up on my toes then. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself, when I see people like that in the race, I always think you didn't work hard enough. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But it was only because I just got released from the things that were holding me back. Uh-huh. My knee and no fuel. And, and the feel... thought of the end and the relief and 
Yeah, I didn't even, yeah, I wasn't even like, so come around the finish line, really, really enjoyed that and, and just sat down at the finish line. It wasn't even relief. Like, then the adrenaline was in, then I had loads of me. Because <laughs> I got fuel back in, there was no pain. All of a sudden I felt good again. Couldn't put my foot down. Literally, there was no pain that whole way. And then I couldn't put my foot down on my ankle. My toe was black. Uh-huh. And I wrote the post that I posted on my Facebook, you know, about my IT band, running yeah. again. And genuinely, I thought my toe was black. Couldn't touch it. It was sore as hell. My ankle was sore. Um, my T van wasn't so at that time, but I got through that, like, and the race was finished. Mm-hmm. I thought, happy days. I felt so delighted with myself that I did not pull out that race because it was two points. It was very close. Yeah. And the next day, it was amazing, like, to come and be able to put that post up that I'd finished the race. And you know, that's when it really hit me. Imagine you hadn't. You weren't able to do that how different things or how you would have felt, you know, you've been pulled out yeah. the next day. I was buzzing the next day. And straight away I realized what had happened to me. When it got, when I really got to the point of suffering, just the next step of suffering that I'd experienced, yeah. to your point earlier on, I'd stopped accepting it. Because yeah. I'd never experienced that level of suffering. Yeah. All the other bits of suffering that I was enduring during the race, just came and went because I could accept them because I'd been there before. But you had a new level of it. But this was another level. It was deeper again. Yeah. And I resisted it. I didn't realise at the time because my whole mantra the whole way was just accept whatever You're it is. You're basing on, on what, what you already knew. You know. But this time now it was my knee and, the, and that post actually told me that I was hanging on to my IT band mm-hmm. in my head. Mm-hmm. I was hanging on to my ankle. I was hanging on to that. I was hanging on to the fact I was feeling sick rather than letting go of that and just dealing with it, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean, which made the tough, made the last part of the race tough. Yeah. So, and then that's why in the last five mi- miles, then I was like, I need to break 24 hours, all of a sudden. And your finish time was? It was 23.06. So I didn't go anywhere near 24. Yeah. I knew like I had, so I'd done the last five miles about 11 minutes, 11 minute miles, like. Yeah. Which has happened to me on all my big races, yeah. funny. And, up to the hotel the next day, was, it wasn't actually too bad. I came down to watch the UTMB finishes. Uh-huh. And I seen one guy with a CCC finishing gillet on. I said, oh, where'd you get that? I said, oh, I'd done the CCC yesterday. Who was what they? Where'd you get that at? Uh-huh. Oh, you get it when you go down the finishing shoot. I didn't, I just left. Uh-huh. I didn't even know, I went through the gate, I went through the <laughs> barrier right. and didn't even get, did you know, get the it? so I, I did get it then afterwards and it felt great. Uh-huh. Yeah. It felt such a, because it's a world famous gillet, you know, the yeah. UTMB gillet. And uh, I put it on, is that how you pronounce it? Gillet. Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> and uh, I felt really good putting that on. It was at that point when I put that on, I actually felt the sense of achievement uh, of what uh, actually happened. I thought, wow, that was class. Yeah. I came, we came down that evening and we watched um, the likes of Ian Keith. No yeah. finish. Ian Keith came third Amazing. in his age group yeah. after three DNFs. So the next morning we came down and I met Ian. Mm-hmm. Moved us, say hello. And we're talking about the race. I says, like, I don't know what it is. Like, I hated one part of that race. I thought I'd never run an ultra again in my life. I am definitely doing UTMB. Mm-hmm. After watching the finishes come in, I was like, 
I, I definitely want to do UTMB. Like, yeah. forget about CCC. UTMB, 170 kilometers. Like, I'm excited. I'm going to set my goal for three years' time to do that. Yeah. And he says, don't overcomplicate it. Like, he says, if you want to do UTMB, come back next year and do it. Yeah. If you don't finish it, take the learning and come back the following year and do it. Yeah. Because and that's the approach you should be taking. Like, yeah. And... It's funny, we were talking about, um, you know, I was surprised about, you know, all these people with all the kit, you know, and they were, they failed, they were failing like on course and they just like looked like they were in pieces. And he just said like, kit's never going to get you to the finish line. Mm. There's only one piece of kit that's important and that's you. Yeah. Oh, sorry. At the finish line, so jumping about a little bit there, but 20 minutes after I finished, who came over the finish line? Nathan. No way. And I really... Could feel the emotion. His wife was there, just put the arms around him. He just broke down into tears, like, oh. and I was like, wow. And I wanted to hug, but his wife was hugging him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, move, forgive me. <laughs> and I said to him, just pointing out with a big smile on the face, like, only I know what you just went through. Yeah. You know, because I mean, it was it was hard. Like, we'd never had any harder in our lives, like, yeah. that we'd had to get through. And I knew exactly what it took him to get up that climb because he was in worse place than me like, yeah, yeah, but he had done it see the energy he got yeah. off that so the next day was very similar to that you had these UTMB finishers coming in now this see. is like 40 hours into the race like Ian Key finished it in 27 I couldn't believe that I was like he's in bed the night before here we are and here's all these like looking like super fit people yeah. finishing UTMB like 13 hours after Ian Keith's washed up, he's standing there fresh as a daisy. <laughs> um, this good, this woman went past, be, ringing her horn at Ian, or ringing her bell. Yeah. And he goes, you know who that is? I don't know who, because that's the race director. This woman, like, just, just as you like on her wee, like, French bike, bing, bing, yeah. Ian. Like, and I was like, wow, this place is, can it get any better? And there was a lot of runners coming in. There weren't, like, there was, like, every two or three minutes, there was another one coming in, another one coming in. You just knew what they'd been through because you were still holding what you'd been yeah. through the day before, but they'd done more. And what was that, 40 hours? 40 hours. Paul Higgins, who'd done the Great Western State with Nicky... McPeak. McPeak, last year, under 24 hours. He was still out on course. He was struggling big time. He was sick mm-hmm. as well, but he had a real day. He was doing it for a friend of his who had died. He was doing it for the Kevin Bell charities and for that first. So I knew he had a real strong will. Yeah. He's no way going to give up on that race. Like a thousand people had already given out, given up. CCC, there was, over, there was about 600 people didn't make it. 29% of finishers. UTMB, 39%. There was a thousand, massive, a thousand people at that stage. But see the closer, as I stood there for the hour, the closer you were getting to the cutoff, the more emotional it was getting. Yeah. And the whole thing was building. Like you have the, the the race winners, which we seen come over with great buzz. To see the emotion that was there, and everybody was just egging them on, like yeah, just get, you to get it done. want them to do it. Like we knew yeah. what they'd been through. Have you been on that mountain for two nights? They've been on the mountain. Mm-hmm. This was daytime again, like eleven o'clock, and like I was really giving my energy to them. You could really see them lift, but they were broken. But their spirits were, yeah. must have been so strong to get them to that finish line. Yeah. Then you see the TLD or PTL boys finishing with them. They started on Monday. What day was this, Sunday? No. They were finishing. They were just making the cutoff as well, which was four, four o'clock that afternoon. Mm-hmm. Like, this was like 12 o'clock, 300 kilometers. 
crazy night. Yeah, so Paul finished in 44 hours and 49, 59 minutes. He had an hour spare. Mm-hmm. Like, and he, he's a phenomenal runner, like, so. As you watch them, people, you were just watering that seed. Yeah. I am so, like, I was just like, I want to sign up now. Yeah. In fact, I want to stay and do the race tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually said that to Ian Keith, you know, he says, like, what is it that makes you feel like you're never going to do this again, but you cross the finish line, you want to do the next thing yeah. up? And he says, that's just ultra running for you. Yeah. Well, that's mm-hmm. definitely the next thing you're going to be. That's that's, that's your next goal. Yeah, without so. I think he's talked me into it here. I went for lunch. <laughs> I went for lunch right there as we were watching the runners finish, and everyone was like, "Off your phone." I was working out how to get access to the UTMB, <laughs> and it like only wasn't even yeah, well, whatever, twelve hours or twenty four hours earlier, you know, in the race. Like, if I had projected me the sitting there excited, I was trying to work out how many points I got for CCC, and it was five points. The rules has changed that you need to get. It used to be 15 points over three races, but now they moved it to five, 10 points over two races. Because, mm-hmm. right, I've got five points, so I need to do another race of five points. Where am I going to get that from? Dennis Rankin rang <laughs> five points. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I was like, registration opens the 15th of December. Uh-huh. I was like, it has to be done. Has so to be done. I just looked at my calendar, what was going on. And there and then I says, right, I have to do the Dennis Rankin round on the 9th of November. <laughs> <laughs> that's when it will fit. <laughs> I get my five points, get my registration in. Now, I may or may not be able to do it. I was thinking to myself, I'm obviously going to have a go at it. Like, yeah. Um, sure, if I don't do it, do I do it? Like on the sixteenth of November, yeah. and then have another go on the twenty third. <laughs> do it more ways, just once every week. Yeah, so done, like. so we get the five points in the Dennis Rankin round and enter. Now you'd be very lucky to get in the first time. Yeah, and I'll be honest, I don't want to get in next yeah. year. Um, it'd be too expensive because Chamonix is a, an expensive holiday. Yeah. And you're going to Zealand, aren't Um Well, it's on the table. <laughs> So Ironman New Zealand is on the table, which I, it's a different long story again, how I entered into that uh-huh. twice. I was in Uganda with two people who didn't know. Um, but yeah, it's looking like it's on the cards. And the reason why I want to do it is the fittest I'd ever been was when I'd done the Ironman. Yeah. And it brings a different level mm. of fitness. You know, really good endurance. Like I yeah. smashed all my PBs and... It'd be good to go into yeah. the with that. On but, I, you know, I would still stick to all my running in the mountains. I don't want to lose what I'm building. Yeah. The great thing about where I'm at right now is that I am nowhere near my fist. Mm. You know, I might be strong. I'm not fast, although I've got good endurance. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I'm anywhere near what I'm capable of doing. But you're probably mentally stronger That's, than you've ever been. Yeah. Just what I was going to say, that's very evident from the start of the podcast to now, is that the mental strength, we, I visualised the whole way through there, mm. the build up of your mental strength, and that's, that's great, like I'm sure you're part of that. I'm actually excited, because yeah. I'm, because it's another, the learning is not the fact that you would, well, if you go to that soften again, you'd be able to accept it. I'm aware that I might go deeper again, and that I've got an awareness of what that is. Yeah. If that makes any sense, and you can, you can accept. So I basics yeah. in hope, you know, as long as it's there's no safety issues with that, or whatever. My feeling is that 
no matter how grim it gets to, I'm going to accept and just mm. deal with that. Yeah. I've taken my learning out the fueling as well. Because I went 15 hours without being sick. Mm-hmm. I hadn't gone past seven hours before, so that was great. Yeah. I doubled the time. I never raced that long before. Um, so for a first off race, I think the race went really well. Like, do yeah. you know what I mean? So ended up 930th out of 2130. I thought I was going to be last. You know what I mean? So it shows you what, what I was going thing. through. You know, a bit, as we all are, a bit self-critical of yeah. ourselves. I was thinking, you know, this is, uh, everybody's going through this right now. Yeah. Not like 600 people decided not to go past that point. You know, they pulled out, just couldn't go on. Like, and you got to see baby's feet. I got to see baby's feet, like fish. mild hallucination on the way. And, and it does get better. It does get better. Yeah. I just got this claim the other day. In David Goggins' words, on the other side of suffering is greatness. I appreciate the podcast was a bit long-winded, but hopefully you were able to gain some knowledge that will help you on attempting to push the limits. I've learned a lot from this process. Growth comes from stepping outside of your comfort zone. Progress comes from accepting the suffering. You just need to let go to find your own greatness. Hope you enjoyed. Until next week, stay safe. Keep on moving.